Welcome to Game Face, episode 232 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted. You can find me on Twitter at Denfire. And my awesome co-host who's along for the ride is Matt Kyle. You can find him on Twitter at mkyle, that's K-E-I-L. Matt, what's going on, man? You've had some domestic issues this week, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Some people may know that there's been some heat waves here. In, yeah. so, everywhere. Um, heat everywhere, waves. yeah. The, the world is on fire. Apparently. But um, uh, so I have a, I have, my house has, has two air conditioning compressors. There's one for downstairs, one for upstairs. And one for upstairs has been spotty over the last couple of years. And so it broke again during the uh, 110 degree heat wave. It was still working, but it wasn't cooling. It, it had a limit. It was like, well, I'll cool it, it down like, like Luke, 85. It was like that's Luke about, cold. That's all I'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a phrase, and, Luke cold? <laughs> yeah, close, yeah, I think it might be. Um, so I had the guy come out and he looks, he's like, this thing's coil, like the, 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 the motor's going out again. It's only like a year and a half old motor. And the, um, the coils are corroded. He's like, coils are corroded, like end of life corrosion. Your house like, is three of- years old. Yeah, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense after three years. He's like, no, it doesn't. So we're, we're looking around, and finally he, he's like, I'm going to check the model, because last time when he replaced the motor a year and a half ago, he had trouble finding one. And he's like, yeah, the, it turns out the, that model of, air, of compressor, the last time it was made was 2006. So what, what oh was happening gosh. is the, the builder of the house... Like the he he clearly had bought like wholesale like a bunch of them in bulk and was just sort of dropping them into houses as he as built he them. Houses, yeah. Um, and the 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 AC guy his 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 theory is that it, this one happened to be stored in a bad area of the where I got wet or like it was in it a drip humid on place it or something. something. Yeah. And it was already corroding when they installed <laughs> it and they didn't know. Or they um, didn't so, know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, they, yeah. Or they knew it wasn't going to happen within a year, which right. is how long the builder warranty is. Yep. Um, so they basically, he was like, well, we can do uh, we can do a, uh, we can replace the motor and replace the Freon, but we'll have to do that every like year and a half or so, like year to year and a half. Or we can put a whole new one in um, for about twice that amount of money. And uh, that'll give you like a right 10-year warranty now. on parts and a 20-year warranty on everything else. And I was like, well... There's only one economically feasible solution there. So this morning they did the whole, you know, full crane in the driveway, like lifted the old one off, dropped the old, the new one in, like all that. So, you know, it took like five hours. You can see but, why it was uh, so expensive then. Oh yeah, they had to do, <laughs> ton, you know, they had to practically shut the road down. Um, it was also interesting to see, if, you know, there was this moment I was like, oh, can my driveway handle a twenty-ton crane? <laughs> right. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, um, did they the answer- did they cut corners on that too? Like you don't know, no, right? No. Yeah, <laughs> you don't exactly. know until they test it. That's so awful. the answer to that is yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Thank God. It held just fine. Well, but, I'll tell uh, you what, Matt. I would go on like Google or whatever and find where you can review that contractor and just warn people. Um, you can't mm-hmm. obviously can't recoup any of the money yourself, but you might be able to save somebody else from either getting that particular scam run on them or from just hiring the contractor mm-hmm. altogether. Yeah, well, the, the the thing is, like, like the rest of this house is, like, incredibly well built. I mean, you like, can say like, that. You can say the rest yeah. of the house was amazing, but... We just don't know where, you know, who knows where he's getting his, yeah. his AC units from. Might be a separate, per, you know, right. that's the one thing I did learn doing all this uh, house shopping was that, like, okay, this guy's the builder, but there's 14 other contractors under him yeah. that are doing all the other stuff. Yep. And, ab- and the most, of work, the guys for that, the floors, most of the guys for that have been great, painting. but I think it probably is noteworthy that I got a list of like all the subcontractors when I bought the house. Like yep. here's all the guys who installed. The AC people were not on there. 
Wow. Like they, there was no AC. I got the HVAC <laughs> people like they did the duct work, but they didn't do the, the they didn't AC. install the unit. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So I don't know. It's probably maybe he knew. Maybe maybe at that point they'd stopped using those people. I don't know. Well, it sucks that but, it happened, uh, but it sounds like you one you made the right decision, and two you're on the right path going forward. Yeah, and it's way quieter now. Yeah, I bet so. it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Matt. I've also had some turmoil this week that I'm going to get into in a minute. Uh, before we do that, we want to do some housekeeping, though. Uh, you guys are like, oh, my gosh, there, here's another 1080p60 episode of Game Face. When is the show going to go live again? I-, I hate that the show isn't live. I miss doing the show live. I miss the interaction with you guys. I miss uh, seeing your play on what Matt and I talk about. I miss all of it. Um, so there is a chance that next week the show will be live again. Um, it's about 50-50 right now, so there may be one more episode uh, offline. It stinks. The part that really stinks about it is that our numbers for Twitch Prime are, like, way down, like below 50% where they normally would be at this time of the month. So I hate to ask, uh, but please, um, there's a link in the header right now at sifted.net, but if you're someone on YouTube who's been doing it, please, please, uh, go to twitch.tv slash siftedgames and subscribe with Twitch Prime. Uh, that money's not extra money that we have to play with. That We need that money to pay our bandwidth bills and our rent here in the studio. So please do it. Um, I know it's kind of a pain if you're not already on the stream and it's just there and you can just do it. I totally understand that. I just, just asking if you go maybe and do that extra step this month. Uh, it'll make a big difference for us. Um, and so I said earlier that I've had some consternation this week, but it was any, wasn't anything related to my apartment or my house. Uh, it was related to preparing myself for next gen. Um, I do not have a 4K TV. I still have a 1080p plasma TV that I will admit fully that I still love. Um, even this week, as I've been shopping for a new television, I keep staring at my plasma and I'm just like, how does it look better than that? Like, it just looks that good. Um, but I do know I need a 4K TV just to play games, if anything else. So I am in the in the market for one right now. Uh, I mean, you you've guys, seen my TV. You know yep. what HDR does to Horizon oh, yeah. Zero Dawn. It, look, like it, I know it makes it, it. There's more than just the resolution. I totally understand that, which is another reason why I am taking the plunge. I mean, I didn't want to leave the plasma either yeah. at the time. It know, looks, it was, those, that it last is, round of Panasonic plasmas are just ridiculous how oh, good yeah. they look. It's really crazy. And like I said last last week, I still have mine right here in this yeah. room. Like I, 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 I did not get rid of it. I won't throw away either. So I'm I'm getting a new TV, and the plasma is going to go into the bedroom, and it's 65 inches. So <laughs> it's going to be perched up. On th- My wife is already like, "No, please don't put that TV in the bedroom." There's no way I'm getting rid of that plasma. There's just no way. You can't buy them anymore, and it's like the best yeah. one ever made. So I'm not getting rid of it. So you shouldn't. And when the time, if you ever do decide, you'll be able to sell it for almost what you paid for it because that Kurotech in it. I know it's just going to get more and more valuable as time goes on. So I'm not getting rid of the plasma, but I do need a 4K TV. So this week, because there was Prime Day and all these other sales that all these other retailers jumped on because Prime Day was happening, I was like, now's probably the time. I need to strike while the iron's hot. So I really started investigating TVs, and. I'll just say this. After doing a ton of legwork, if you are also in the position I'm in right now, I'm here to save you a ton of time and help you. Uh, really, there are two legitimate options. Well, there possibly a third. There, there are two strong options for a next-gen TV. Um, and the things you should be looking for in a next-gen TV, most importantly, is HDMI 2.1. Uh, that will allow higher frame rates at 4K, and it will allow 8K. Um, and it also it, it adds a bunch of audio stuff because it's just a bigger pipe and they can send more information through it. So look for HDMI 2.1. Along with that generally comes, if you're getting a modern 4K TV, you're going to get 4K at 120 frames per second. You're going to get 8K at like 60, se- uh, 60 frames a second if you 
can even display 8K. Most people can't. So bottom line is if you want 4K 120, you need HDMI 2.1. Now that also opens up a whole other issue for me because the way my setup is, is I have everything going into my receiver and then one line out of my receiver into my TV. Um, So if you want 4K 120, you also have to get a new receiver that has HDMI 2.1. Or the other option is route everything into the TV and then send the audio out of the TV through an optical into your receiver. The problem is optical doesn't carry Atmos in some of the newer Dolby uh, technologies. So... And the other problem is, is I actually use that port right now for my wireless headphones that I use to play games or watch TV when my wife doesn't want to be annoyed. So I actually need two outputs. Right now, the way it works, it's fine because I have one output coming out of the receiver, the other one out of the TV. Now, with this new setup without a new receiver, I would need two outputs out of the TV. So basically, the cheapest uh, receiver that you can get with 2.1 is a Yamaha model that's like 600 bucks. So... The two TVs I have on the block right now, the Sony X900H and the LG CX, those are really kind of the two TVs that most people recommend and, like I said, have HDMI 2.1. Now, as a third option, Samsung has QLED, and it is kind of the middle between an OLED TV and an LED TV. The viewing angles are a little better than typical LED TVs, but the blacks aren't quite as dark as OLED. So it's kind of in the middle there. But I basically settled on the Sony TV, which right now is like $1,000 for a 65-inch. The LG, which is an OLED TV, is $2,300. So it's an extra $1,300. Now, Matt has recommended I go for OLED. I did a poll on Twitter asking you guys which one I should choose. And basically, it was 60-40 for the OLED. And I get it. You're future-proofing yourself with the OLED. The problem is I want a bigger TV this time. I want something bigger than 65. I cannot afford the 77-inch OLED. So I'm either – I'm basically stuck right now between the 70-plus-inch Sony, which is in my price range. The 65 is 1,000. The 70-something is like 1,500. Or the OLED at 65 inches uh, for 2,300. And I am just completely torn. So um, any – recommendations from you guys. If you guys have either of these TVs, uh, some people have reached out and said they love the Sony. Other people have reached out and said they regret it because one thing about that Sony TV is the viewing angle. Literally, if you even step like three or four feet off of center, the TV starts to get dark. And I've had a plasma all this time. I'm used to being able to stand sideways to my TV and still see it. So that's a big, big deal for me as well. So anyway, I'm hoping for some guidance from you guys to help me decide which TV to buy. It's going to be one of those two. Some people said you should consider the Samsung QLED. Um, I would rather not kind of go in the middle. I'd rather either go the cheap route, which still has everything that I need, but not quite as good, or the expensive route that's going to set me up for the next 10 years or so. And this TV, for all of you, is going to set you up for the next 10 years. You're not going to need anything beyond 4K. These consoles are not going to be able to display in 8K unless it's like some very simple indie game. Uh, So really, and seeing the difference between 8K and 4K, good luck. So the way I feel is this TV is going to be with me for a long time. And uh, so I'm leaning towards the OLED. 
Um, but then I can't really afford the receiver that I want. So there's just a lot to consider. And I'm sure a lot of you guys are going through the same thing, which is why I wanted to talk this out publicly with you guys so I can maybe save you some time that I've spent doing legwork over the last seven days or so. So give me your recommendations. When I finally pull the trigger, I'll be sure to let you guys know. And obviously, whatever TV I get is going to be used to create content here on Sifted. So you guys will be getting some rewards from it as well. Um, and with that... OLED all the way. I know, man. That's what I look. I wish I could afford the seventy-seven inch OLED. If oh, I, so do I. If I could, um, I would do it right away. I, but I'm, but I will absolutely, especially having had one for almost three years. Like, and look, that the sixty-five. I have a sixty-five inch, you know, LG C7, and um, it's a little small on that wall. Like you've seen it yeah. on that wall. It's, yeah. it's, it, you know, definitely a bigger TV could go there. And I've thought about that. The eighty-eight inch. Uh, LG OLED calls my name, but it's like 30 grand. I know it's insane. Um, But I have zero problem trading, you know, a little extra size for that level of picture quality. Like it's just, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's so good, especially with the HDR quality and the viewing angles. And granted, I'm kind of all over the room with not not playing games, but like watching stuff. It's a big room, too. So you're all. It's a big room. So I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm in the kitchen. I'm over. Yeah. So the fact that I can see it from all different angles is very important. Um, And it's just it's just the vibrancy of the OLED is second to none. I did look at the QLED stuff for a while. That was the big the new hotness from from last, you know, late last year. I was like, oh, maybe because they're doing doing big ones. I could upgrade to a bigger one for that. And no, it's just not on the same. As you say, it's a very mid space solution. Um, If you're going to go if you're going to go in like that, go big uh, in terms of quality. I'm going to go cheap. I mean, that's because the way I look at it is if I buy the cheaper TV, that TV is just a placeholder, and, I'm, yeah. and then I'll sit and wait for a year or two years for the OLEDs to come down. One person on Twitter actually brought up a good point. He was like, buy the Sony now, and then buy the OLED in a year or a year and a half, and you're basically getting two TVs for the same price that you would have spent for the OLED now. Because mm-hmm. he's like, that $2,300 TV will be $1,200 next year. You'll end up spending a total of $2,200. You'll have two TVs, both 4K both 4K 120, blah, blah, blah. So that's something to think about as well. Um, it's big purchases. Well, the other are thing to remember tough. is that you are, you know, LG mostly uses the same panel for all these things. I know. So yeah. you are still pretty much getting the same. T- the difference tends to be just bells and whistles. Like the Bs and the Cs are the same. Mm-hmm. They just have different form factors or bezels sometimes. Like yeah. it's 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 a little confusing at times. But basically, you know, there's, and then there's other um there's other manufacturers that make OLEDs that make OLEDs that like they just use LG's panels. Right? They just buy yeah. panels from from LG and use those because those yeah. are really good. Um, and, and the funny part is sometimes they're cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's weird because they skimp on the other aspects. Yeah, they don't aspects. have like the algorithms running and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and that's one thing yeah. people say about the Sony TVs is that the algorithms that run in those TVs are like amazing, but. The end result still isn't as good as an OLED. So there you go. It's not an easy decision, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are going through the same thing right now, and I'll let you know as soon as I figure it out. All right, so this is normally where we do the poll of the week. There is no poll of the week this week, and the reason we're not doing one this week is because there wasn't really a great topic this week, 
And your interest in the poll of the week has started to wane. The last couple of polls did not have a ton of votes on them. Uh, I think part of that was there weren't good options for the polls and maybe a little bit of fatigue on your part. So no poll of the week this week. Uh, so we're going to jump straight into the show. But before I do that, just some housekeeping. Uh, we are sifted. Uh, we are supported 100% by Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D, no E in the sifted. Um, and we, su- we are supported 100% by donations from users. So if you're listening to this show on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of those services where you find us, please consider helping us out financially. This ain't cheap, and we want to keep the show going, and hopefully you feel the same way. All right, so we're going to kick things off, episode 232, our first proper topic. We're going to round up all the big news from PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X from the week now. In past episodes, we'd have a separate topic for each one of these, but that's where we're at now. It's We we pretty much know everything. There's just these little details that are starting to trickle out um, and that aren't quite as exciting and aren't big enough to really get their own topic. So we've rounded them up into one topic for this week's episode. We're going to start with PlayStation 5, and that's because PS5 had a much higher quantity of news this week. I'll leave it up to you to decide which is more important between the two platforms. Um, probably... I don't know, the biggest news from this week that people, that I think that may shift people's buying habits for next gen is that Sony announced that close to 4,000 PlayStation 4 games will be playable day and date on PlayStation 5. In fact, so many PS4 games are playable on PlayStation 5 day and date that Sony decided to just list the games that aren't playable on PS5. And that amounted to like eight games. And they're like... Ten these, games. Ten games. And they're like yeah. these... Obs- and I, have, I never heard of half of right. them. Right. They're these obscure whatever games that no one's going to care that they're not playable on PS5. So The only one I care about that isn't playable is Robinson The Journey because I own that. Right. Which it's just an obscure uh, dinosaur related VR game. The other one that doesn't play one of the other ones that doesn't play is Afro Samurai 2, yeah, which, which was so recent. bad that they that they uh they recalled it <laughs> and refunded everybody who bought it and took it out of their libraries. Oh wow. Yeah, like so- that game that game was full, like literally aborted. Yeah. After it was released. So that's, what uh, so yeah, that's the level no, of games we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, no games of you, of note or importance at all. So problem solved, Matt? Pretty close. Like, I mean, obviously, is not everything's going to be Xbox now, or not so much. I think the I think Xbox is at an advantage just because the um, messaging is out there already. The messaging's out there, and also, I mean, we'll see. Like, you know, Digital Foundry hasn't gotten their hands on the PS5 yet, yeah. but like that video about like you know how the how the the load times and how like performance changes based on which hard external hard drive you're running it on on the Xbox Series X, like, and how basically like the you know the SATA SSD SSD like. War, like it does it like it, it's, yeah. it's like yeah it's, it's pretty close to having it internal uh in terms of not you know not in terms of a, a series x game but in terms of a of, of an xbox one game running backwards compatible like huge huge difference like you're talking like 16 seconds of loading versus like a minute yeah. on some stuff um and so yeah like i i think uh you know we'll see if it's comparable uh, on the PS5, but right now it really feels like if you want to keep your library moving forward from this this gen, uh, Series X is is the uh, easier option. Oh, definitely. In fact, I, in fact, after watching that video, I ordered one of those SATA uh, SATA HDMI cables or H, uh, SATA USB cables. I have one of those because I'm, yeah, I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna get one of the, I'm gonna get one of those hard drives they're using on that because that seems to be like the way to go. Maybe not the eight terabyte one because it's like seven hundred bucks, but like 
Um, I made a mistake that seems using like the solution. one of those on my PC, though. I had an external drive laying around, and I was waiting for another drive to come in. I needed to dump a big file onto something so that I had room on my hard drive. And so I just used that SATA USB thing and plugged it in, and it worked. Like, I was able to save the file to the external drive, unplug it, and put it away. The problem is now my memory card thing doesn't work anymore. It reassigned hmm. the drive letter to that external drive, and now I can't use SD cards or any other stuff like that on my PC. I've been <laughs> research. I can't. I've been researching it. I've tried to fix it like four times, and I've just given up. So be careful. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's really bizarre, but it works. Those things absolutely do work, and you can turn like I mean, the drive that I use was an internal drive, and I just plugged the saddle onto it and plugged in the USB, and it worked great. So yeah, that's what they're doing on Digital Foundry. It's because because it's cheaper mm-hmm. to get that that kind of SATA drive for an SSD. And um, you just plug it into the back of the Xbox Series X, and it off it goes. Bur- burns burns rubber, really. Like yeah, that was a that was a good video. Like uh, it was mean, also exactly what I was are. asking about we last week. Them all, they're great. <laughs> but also, like that was exactly what I was wondering in last week's show, and like mm-hmm. boom, there it was the next day. Yep, they're good for um, stuff like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do with their backwards compatible with the PS5 whenever they happen to get their hands on a PS5. Yep. But um, I will say this, like, just because of that and because of the uh, save situation, I think I'm just going to go ahead and get uh, Watch Dogs on Xbox. Are you? That. Like, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I'll get, what, like, maybe I'll get Watch Dogs on PS PlayStation because I played them on PlayStation. Like, no, I think I, think I don't want to start over when <coughs> well, the PS5 play, shows up. So With Uplay, there is some incentive to stay on the same platform. Or actually, no, your Uplay account no, they're all they're all cross-play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so there isn't any re- really any reason. You're right. I mean, it probably is more likely that Legion is going to look and play better on Series X than PS5. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong. I mean, I'm I just saying if I had, to put, I had to bet right now, that's what I would say. Maybe. I'm, I'm just I'm, – look, this game comes out like the end of October, and two weeks later I don't want to start over. Yeah, I hear Basically, you. Like, that's yep. the whole thing. Like I'll, I'll deal with – you know, Series X is slightly less good-looking – if you side by side pixel counting, like, because that's what it's going to be. Oh, right? they're going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. going to do it. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, do you think that PS3, PS2, PS1 matters, Matt, to most people? Do they care? Is is getting the PS4 moving forward? Is that good enough? Probably. I mean, yeah. I would definitely like the PS1, PS2, PS3 to be supported at some point, like just to to. You know, rescue some stuff from that PS3 platform. You know, like there's there's things that you just can't play on any. I mean, the emulator scene is getting better on on PC. Like you, you can play some PS3 games like pretty effectively. Um, but like, it would be nice to kind of carry it all forward and 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 stop having that bottleneck at the PS3 because uh, there are some games that are still trapped on that system. Yeah. You've still got Metal Gear Solid 4. You've got uh, the infamous games. Uh, got aquanauts holiday which i'm the only person who cares about that but like all the resistance um, games are resistance there. games yeah yeah the kill zone collection like that's as far as that goes yeah. like there's a lot of stuff I and mean, either I, what i'm saying is like either bring the you know do what nintendo seems to be doing and bringing everything forward or you know figure out a solution i don't know if they will figure out a solution on this like right, but it would be nice to see like it. it would be nice to see ps1 and ps3 stuff ps2 stuff uh, get that treatment uh, just put the disc in the ps5 and let it run because i feel like that is feasible yeah, I just don't think stuff. that for most consumers, those platforms will weigh in on their purchases. I don't think it matters at launch. I think yeah. it'd be a nice thing, kind of like the way Xbox did this gen, where like just, you know, about halfway through, they're like, hey, we're going to start doing this. And yeah. all of a sudden you can play Crimson Skies yeah. and Ninja Gaiden on the Xbox One. And that was great. Like, yeah. that would be cool if 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 Sony kind of went that route with it. 
Um, but I don't think it's necessary for long. I don't think it's a selling point or anything. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're pretty much on even keel at that point. I agree though, the messaging that Microsoft got the messaging out last gen. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, it's been a, something that Microsoft has concentrated on now for years. And this is something that Sony just seems to be jumping on after a long hiatus after the PS3. So I agree with you. I think most people are just going to assume that that is handled better on Xbox, even though it may or may not be. Uh, and then next up, uh, so right now, Microsoft is doing a promotion with Taco Bell, and it has done a promotion with Taco Bell for, I think, every single Xbox console that's launched. Even the first one, I think, there was a Taco Bell. Yeah, that goes goes way back. Yeah. And so PlayStation doesn't want to be left out, and so it has partnered up with Burger King. Whoops. (laughs) And all we got out of the partnership with Taco Bell and Xbox is free Xboxes. They have a contest where, like, if you buy a drink, you you rip the tab Mm. off the side, and you can win an Xbox. Sony took a different approach with Burger King and gave Burger King something pretty valuable, which is the boot-up sound for the PlayStation 5 was first sort of revealed in a Burger King TV commercial. It shows the king looking in a bag of food, and he opens the bag, and it makes the sound. He shuts the bag. He opens it. It makes the sound again. Do you think that was wasted, Matt? Do you think they could have got more play out of that than they got through Burger? Or maybe not, because we're talking about it right now. No, I mean, I think Sony's the driver on that. Burger King is trash. Oh, I'm not blaming Burger um, King. I'm saying that was Sony's decision. They're like, we're going to yeah. give you this. Yeah. But I think I think Burger King gets the better deal. On yeah, that. for sure. That's a big deal. Because all of a sudden you have people paying attention to Burger King, which doesn't happen every day. Yeah. And it's a and it's an interesting shift in that you know the Burger King uh, the, those Burger King mini games were on 360. That's right. Um, yeah, that's true. I forgot uh, about that. How the tables have turned. <laughs> Well, maybe Xbox maybe is like, that get, didn't work out so well. So. Maybe we get a next-gen sneak king out of this one. <laughs> um, comes pre-installed. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I, it, it got me to watch a Burger King I know, video. me too. I, know. I would have like, never watched it otherwise. So, mission accomplished, I guess. Do you like the sound, the boot-up sound? Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, I like it I got too. it. I mean, it's it, all this stuff is just sort of window dressing to me. It's That's like where all we're this, at now, uh, though. This like, is the type of stuff all, that's but it's left. just sort of silly. It's like all that, yeah. and it's like all the arguing over whether it looks good or what this is. It's like it's like is anyone not going to play <laughs> Demon Souls because they think the PS 5s ugly looking? No, no, no. I've never not bought a system because it's gross looking. Like it's it, you get over it, or you just put a cloth over it or something. And I've and never not a bought a system. So. No, like. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Uh, like it's so, just, it's, even no matter how ugly it was, uh, no one didn't buy the Virtual Boy because of how it looked. Because yeah. it wasn't a good system. Yep. So I, I, it's all you know. It's like all the arguing over Dreamcast was a good name. Wii was it a good name? Like it doesn't matter. It You're doesn't. gonna buy it. You're gonna play it. So six you, months you, you, in, you want anything twice about it? That's just half the time. My audio, my audio connection to the to the surround sound doesn't even kick in through the receiver before the startup sound is over. <laughs> yeah, so right. it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Or it scares the living crap out of you because you forgot that you had the TV turned up loud and yeah. your sub kicks in. It's like, oh, wow. You're like, holy crap. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. There's a couple other tidbits <laughs> for PS5. Um, there was a study published this week by a market research firm called VGM. And what they did was they pulled, and this is the important part, they only pulled 511 what they considered hardcore gamers about their pre-order experience. And a couple interesting uh, 
numbers came out of that. Now, again, keep in mind, just 511 respondents, that, that's important. Uh, but what it discovered was that, and I'll make sure I read these correctly, 72% um, of all pre-orders were for PlayStation 5. Um, the other interesting thing that they found was that of the people they talked to, almost 30% of those people said that they tried to order a console and failed, were unable to do it. Um, any remarks on those two factoids? Um, well, I think the percentage of PS5 is pretty in line with what we expected. Um, even I expected though clearly, two to one. Yeah, I think that'll work out about, you know, once you, ex I think it's a small sample size, so it wouldn't surprise me if it extrapolated out to that. If you got, like, you did like 2,000 people. Yeah. I bet That's it would really be Here's the other thing. Like, you don't need, as I've said this before on the show, you don't need as many people as you think to have an accurate poll. Yeah. You get to 5,000, it's set in stone. It is not mm -hmm. changing. Um, so 500 sounds really bad, but it's probably not as bad as you think. It's, it's not too bad. It's it's You'd prefer to have more like 800 Yeah, I mean, uh, for like a, a, a floor of yeah. it. But I guess what I'm saying is that there is some truth in the numbers here. Yeah, and the 30% not so – well, two things. Like um, first off, not great, but second um, – it's another lesson in like if you just looked at the internet, you would think that the pre-ordering situation was the biggest disaster of retail in the last ten years. <laughs> but in truth, it's a small group of number of people who are very mad about something, yeah. and you can never ever forget that something is being loud on the internet doesn't mean that it's actually a real the problem. majority case <laughs> in the real world. Yeah. Like it doesn't, oh, doesn't yeah. translate. We have learned that many many times over for sure, um, but. Uh, Sort of coinciding with that, this week, uh, Waypoint, which is Vice's uh, gaming imprint, published a story where they went and they talked to scalpers. And what the scalpers said is, like, we've been honing our craft on streetwear and sneaker sales for years. And mm -hmm. these console sales, he's like, the sneaker, like, Supreme, Stussy, all those kind of high-end, like, streetwear brands, they're used to this crap. So they've put up, like waiting queues on their websites. They have managed it already. The hackers can, or the, 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 the people can still get more stuff than they're supposed to, but they have found kind of ways to at least limit it. But those, those same scalpers, when they started talking about like going to GameStop or Best Buy or Amazon, they were like, Psh, we can just annihilate those websites. We've been doing it for years, but we don't only, we don't only do it for console launches or big electronics like this. So these people have been doing this for a long time. They just come and visit us for like a few days every five or seven years and then rain on our parade, basically, which is just great. So 30, you're right, Matt, 30% of people who wanted to pre-order consoles and not being able to get them, there's a fine line there. You want a certain number of people who want them to not be able to get them because you want them out there saying, damn, I want this thing so bad and I can't get it. But then there's a line that you cross where you're cutting off your your nose to spite your face because there's people who want to buy your product who can't buy your product. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, mm -hmm. particularly when you're talking about like launch and getting like people hyped for buying new products and things like that. Now, did they did they talk to the scalpers about whether their stuff is selling yet? Um, they didn't. No, they just like, they, they just I talked like to them like... about how they got the pre-orders mm -hmm. basically because that's what i'd like to know like because instantly all the you know the pre-orders for scalped ones are going up for a thousand bucks on ebay and i'm like is anyone biting on that well here's, like, is anyone here's like, that's my question here's what i found um if you go on ebay and you look you're right a lot of them are asking a thousand dollars for a ps5 if you look at 
they how what they are actually selling at. The PS5 is selling anywhere from seven hundred to eight hundred dollars. The Xbox Series X is selling for like five sixty to just below six hundred, which mm-hmm. would add credence to kind of this data as well. Anecdotal, but still yeah but it's like the demand for the ps5 is clearly higher it is yeah um I, I, there was rumors that the uh that there would be ps5 pre-orders going up uh, at some point during prime day which didn't happen mm-hmm. um i wonder if we're gonna see more ps5 i yeah, mean I'm somebody re- said I'm really would, starting but to wonder like, now yeah it's coming down to it i mean we're a, we're a month out here um i don't know we're running out of time. Absolutely. Although I will, to the people who are worried about the uh, the the you know the emails about like oh you're not going to get your thing on time sort of thing. Here's here's something to to, to ease your mind maybe. Uh, I pre-ordered the uh, Paranoia Agent Steelbook from uh, Best Buy a while ago, and there was a lot of uncertainty about when that was, was supposed to come out, like this week. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uncertainty about what was it. And then I got an email um, on Monday that was like, uh, we don't know when we're actually going to get this to you. Like we we don't know if it and if it goes past like December, uh, we'll cancel the order and refund your money. And I'm like, okay. And then then yesterday they're like, uh, okay, it's actually shipping. Uh, it will be delivered between October 20th and November 3rd. And I'm like, are you shipping it from the moon? It's a it's a Blu-ray. Like what do you? Do? Yeah. And then it showed up this morning. Oh, so <laughs> pleasant surprise. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Like. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. you, you don't no matter how many up. emails you get, don't give it. You might, you might, you're probably going to get your your system on launch day, probably. Yeah. Like I wouldn't worry about it too much. And I wouldn't give up on pre-orders yet either, even though Matt and I are like, oh, I don't know if they're going to put more up. Like keep trying. Uh, I mean, I I definitely like to trade my stupid GameSpot bundle, GameStop bundle for a uh, for another big box retailer that's going to get it to me on time and without selling me 14 things I don't want. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Yep. Um. And then next up. A new PlayStation store is coming in November to coincide with the launch of PlayStation 5. Matt, what about the current PlayStation 4 store would you like to see change? Because they have not changed it since the PlayStation Um, 4 launch. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see it faster. Um, I mean, both both systems need to move faster in the stores. Um, I would like, um, like... There's a lot of times when they put like banners or like things up on it that I'm like, I don't realize I can click on them. Oh, I know. I'd like a, a little cl- more yeah. clarity on that. I tried to find um, the uh, Cold War open beta that ran this mm-hmm. past weekend. And uh, so I go to the store. It is the most, pro- it's the top thing being promoted on the store. I'm like, oh, there it is, the open beta. Perfect. I go to scroll over. It starts playing a trailer. I go down. They try to get me to buy it. I go down some more, and there's like a two-paragraph exit. I could not find the link to just download it. So I had to go to the search engine, search for Cold War open beta. Then it popped up, and then I was able to download it. Finding stuff is a problem. Finding the free games for PlayStation Plus every month. Dude, just put them on the home screen. It's like I feel like they're trying to keep me from getting the free games. And so I can't find them in the store like on my PS4. So I go to my desktop and go to the store there, and it's much easier to use it on a desktop and just grab all the games, go through with your transaction, and then if you want to download them, go to your PS4 and download them. So those are the big issues I have. You're right. It's also very sluggish. Um, I think they should let publishers pay less for placement in there. Um, and stuff that really matters should be bubbled to the top instead of what people are paying for. I know that's probably mm-hmm. never going to happen. Uh, but those are my biggest complaints. For the most part, it's pretty good. I'd also like to see um, 
this may be an OS thing more than the store thing. I don't know, but I'd like to see a smoother way to download DLC and to know you have DLC because, like, it varies by you have to game. Go in your library. Sometimes you got to go in your library. Sometimes yeah. you got to go find the game, scroll down to the bottom thing where they list the DLC, go in and do that. Yeah. Sometimes you got. Sometimes you got to go into the game itself. Yeah, and, and get it there. Actually, have- <laughs> Tekken, Tekken, you have to like go to the store and download every single part of the season pass individually. Even if you don't um, want them. If you all. own the season pass, but you but to get the characters over, like you, have, you can't just go into the game and say I want these things, right? And it won't just automatically download it. You have to go in there, hit, click the thing, wait for that to wait for the individual store entry for that to load. Right. Hit download, which usually is nothing. It's literally a 10k license, right? That tells the game right. it's okay yeah. for you to use that character, or that outfit. Yeah. And then you have to back out and go there. And then I get like 15 emails that say thanks for your purchase on the PlayStation Store. I'm like I didn't purchase anything, you idiot. I just activated a DLC thing that I already own because the, the the DLC pass and it's it's just a mess. It's it's really irritating. Yep. Um, and Xbox, while I'm not going to say that Xbox's store is perfect, uh, it has figured that system out much more smoothly. It's hard to find the games with gold on there too, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I use the website for them too because if you go to just like xboxlive.com and you click the games tab, there's actually a, a an option in the drop down that says games with gold. And if you click on it, Boom! There's all the games that you get for free. Again, hard to find on Xbox Live on the store. Yeah, on the I forget. Store. I'm sure I've missed a couple of months I've of free games because yeah. I because I don't busy, realize man. they're there. We do try to send out a reminder to you guys the last couple days of every month on our Twitter account at Sifted Games uh, to remind you guys to go and download the stuff before it's gone because we know that you're just like us and you probably forget a lot. So we're trying to help you guys, and actually, it's helped me too. Uh, those tweets to remember to go and grab the game. So I agree with you, but I think both stores are okay, but they both could use some tweets to make them. I'd also like to see like a more accessible pre-order list. Like they have a a featured pre-orders. They have like featured pre-orders that pop up on things. But like, if you want to just see a list of games coming up, in the near future that you can pre-order right now, you got to go all the way down to games and go over to the thing and go to explore and then go on a pre-order. It's like yeah. three deep. And I'm yeah, like, do you annoying. want my damn money or not? Yep. Like it's, yeah, Make it I just want to see when this is coming out. Give you our money. How about that? That's what I, I can actually, that's what I mean. Look, because I'm a mark for certain things. That's how they lost me. My money on predator Yeah, was I didn't realize it was coming out and I would have pre-ordered it. Cause I'm that stupid. Um, <laughs> you just like but it came out and everyone's like, oh, the reviews came out. They're like, oh, this isn't very good. I'm like, oh, I guess I won't get that then, especially because I don't get the pre-order skins because I like the pre-order skin they were yeah. doing. But like they 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 buried that game so far in, in the menus that it never occurred to me that I should pre-order that. And then all of a sudden it was out. Yep. It was. It, was, it just needs a little more. And I'll, I, have an, I have another story about the uh, the updated Xbox store that I'll get to later in the show on a different topic that uh, is a nice example of how to do it right. Okay. Um, and then just a couple more things on from PlayStation 5. Actually, it ends up there was a lot of big PS5 <laughs> news this week. Um, and this isn't really news, just something that really caught my eye. And that is the PlayStation 5 trailer for NBA 2K21. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing has really hit me hard as far as like, oh, wow, that's next gen. That was Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. The second thing that hit me that way is this trailer for NBA 2K21. Holy Wow. I, yeah, this is this is absurd. Whoa. This is trailer. Oh my gosh! Like I, and, I sent this to pretty much everyone I know who was willing to hold a controller, even people who like don't don't know the names of basic sports teams, and right. every single person was like, 
I can't believe that's what that looks like. Everyone's like, like people, people that have never seen basketball games were like, maybe I'll play that. Like I mean, it's, that's it's, how good it, it looks. looks. That good. Um, what struck me the most was the crowd for one. The crowd is crazy. The crowd looks amazing. But also, like the pregame stuff, like all the stuff going on on yeah. the floor. There's like yeah. cheerleaders over here. And, there's a TV crew yeah. in the middle. There's one team here like warming up. There's another team here. And you're running through like all it like, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and someone is like watching, like watching all those crowds and everybody weave through other people is like a fantasy game now. Yeah. We can't do that. It's crazy. <laughs> I was, yeah, exactly. Like it's really weird watching that stuff now because that's not the way sports are right now. Uh, but, and it's just amazing to see, like, you know, like I remember when, like, the big holy grail for basketball games was getting the shorts and the shirts to, to move, move independent yeah. of the body. <laughs> and now it's just like, is that really Steph Curry? I like, mean, I'm not looks, sure. It like, is. There's and a even couple up shots close in now, there. it's hard to yeah. tell. Like, the NBA 2Ks look really good for a long time. And while the games are going on, even on PS4, like, if you're standing like 10 feet away from the TV, you can be fooled at first. Yeah. This. And I love that there's a couple shots in this trailer that do have sort of a quick animation jump or glitch where, where it's like, you know, it's not perfect. Yeah. But because of that, you're like, oh, that's real. It's a video game. Like, that's it's really real time. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. If you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. We have it curated on Sifted or you're watching it right now watching the show. Literally like the second most impressive next gen thing I've seen so far. Yeah. And let me be just be, you know, I mean, I don't care about basketball. I someone had to tell me why the fireworks are going off the other <laughs> night because the Lakers won. Right. Um, yeah. I don't pay attention. I don't care. It's not it's not a sport I have any interest in. Um, but I watched that trail and I was like, holy, I'm, I'm, yeah. like, I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. Real, like, like, I don't crazy. know. I don't even know why. Like, I'd probably play it once and be like, that's really impressive. Click, Never touch know. it again yeah <laughs> but like that trailer is amazing yeah. it's worth it's, watching and you're seeing it yeah. right now um if you want to watch it in 4k you can go to sifted or you can head over to uh, nba 2k's uh youtube channel like um, you're waiting for it to switch from like cutscene to gameplay and it just it never did it doesn't it's it just what it looks like scenes. it's really amazing uh, and, and it's the, just sort of like hey madden Mm, yeah. Where are you? Yeah, exactly. Where are you? Oh, man, it's a joke compared to what we're seeing from him. Yeah. But it's not fair either. Smaller arenas, less players, blah, blah, blah. Somewhat, but yeah. at the same time, Madden. Yeah. <laughs> I Where hear are you, man. You? I hear you, dude. <laughs> I totally hear you. Uh, at, the very least, at the very least, wouldn't you love to see what 2K would do with Oh, uh, yes. With football I, everybody again? would, Matt. Like, everybody would. It's <sighs> Again, that's why competition is always good. When you have no one to push yeah. you, you're never going to get better. Who's competition for NBA 2K, though? Yeah. Everyone else gave up. Well, they I mean, keep going. EA kind of gave up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they haven't released a game in like three years. They keep talking about <laughs> it, and they just never release it. They keep canceling it. So we'll see. I mean, uh, I don't blame him watching that stuff from 2K. It's just like, if you're like, like oh, we can, make a, we can make an NBA. <laughs> we can make a basketball. Why bother? Maybe not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, it would be it's dumb. I mean, I hate to say it, but it would be dumb for EA to release NBA Live. It's just going to get destroyed. Yeah. And, and then the final piece of news about PlayStation 5 this week was that PlayStation VR 1 will work with PlayStation 5, which we had all assumed, but it was good to get confirmation. The other part of it is that you are going to need a special adapter for PlayStation VR to play it on PlayStation 5. And all Sony has said about it so Yeah, we far, knew that. We definitely knew that. I didn't know that till this they, week. They, the, in the original reveal thing, they had a, there was a thing where they, they said that you'll need an adapter and we'll talk to you. We'll tell you how to get that later. Oh, I, knew I that. missed that. Because I heard it this I week, definitely it the knew first that. time I had heard it. I missed it somehow. Um, I definitely knew that because like, I, I remember thinking, like I'm going to stop playing Iron Man VR until 
the PS5 because maybe then it'll load less than a minute and a half. Oh yeah, because that game does terrible things. load times. Um, and then I was like, but I was like, well, but I'm gonna have to wait until they put out. I get that adapter because I'm not, you know, because obviously it's gonna be a while before PSVR 2 is out. Well, they brought it up again this week, and what I was gonna, what I was leading into was that. They didn't tell you how to get the adapter. They yeah, still, they still said the same thing. We'll let you know at a later date. So yeah. it sounds like it's going to be this convoluted thing where you have to send like a self-addressed stamped envelope into PlayStation. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you'll probably have to like sign up for something and input your 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 uh, you know PlayStation ID, and they'll kind of confirm that you've got VR games played on your tag or something you can like that send might in be three captain crunch upc symbols and they'll send you the adapter yeah, i'm just hoping that whatever it is is like kind of a new pass-through box of some kind yeah um that allows you to do hdr yeah because i have the first because i have the first gen psvr box that doesn't do that yeah. so that's the big problem is like if i have to unplug it and replug it if i ever if I want to play vr and granted that doesn't happen that often but like if I want to play Squadrons in VR, I'd have to plug everything in, and then if I wanted to go back to playing something on the TV with HDR enabled, I have to unplug yeah, it. I mean, it's just like one box. HDMI yeah. thing. It's just one HDMI cable, but it's still like dumb. You know, yeah, like why did why was that not in the like really like you couldn't figure that one out? Yeah, I have a feeling PlayStation launch? VR two will uh, work a little different. Yeah, I think that'll be. That'll be <laughs> I fine. hope so. That'll anyway, be better. better. Uh, so anyway, if you are one of the Few people who are still enjoying your PlayStation VR at this point. Uh, when you get your PS5, there might be a little bit of a delay before you can use it. We'll see. Uh, as Matt said earlier, we still have about a month until launch. Yeah, you will not be Iron Man at launch, I don't think. Uh, it's looking dicey for sure. Uh, next up, some Xbox news as well. Xbox Series X news. It was a slower week for Xbox, but that's not a surprise because Xbox gave us all the information way before Sony did. Uh, but there were a couple things that were brought up this week. Um, we mentioned, I think we mentioned on last week's episode about how there were rumors flying around from journalists that the Xbox Series X overheats. Um, it got so bad after we did the show last week that Xbox felt like it had to actually respond to it. So Aaron Greenberg put out a statement this week saying that, I don't know what these people are talking about. It's a powerful piece of hardware. Of course it gets hot, but it does not overheat. It's, I don't know where all that stuff was coming from. I mean, I do. Journalists were kind of hinting at it on Twitter. Um, but... It sounds like it was just a nothing burger. It was a non-story yeah. that people were concerned because it felt really hot, the air coming out of the top. But that's – dude, with that kind of kit in that small of a form factor, that's what's going to happen. There's going to yeah. be really hot air coming out of that thing. I think so. you should expect that. I mean, you know, there were there were people that are, have been using, like, you know, early NDA versions that are sort of like – you can heat a room with this thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to be true, both of them. Yeah, I think these things are going to run real hot. Yeah, absolutely. They have to. I mean, yeah. that's all there's to it. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on underneath those small uh, cases. So not a big deal. Aaron Greenberg had to put out a statement about it. I feel bad for him having to do that. But <laughs> that's the world that we live in, Matt. <laughs> you have to clarify. Otherwise, people just assume it's true and they run yeah. with it. You know, that's the way things work now with social media and everything. So... Nobody cares what's true. They just care what's scariest. Yep. Um, and Especially also, when it comes to new hardware purchases. Yeah. And then one of the coolest things, I think, from this entire week was people starting to run wild with xCloud. Like, really trying to push it to see what they can do with it and see all the different devices that xCloud will work on. And the kicker was yesterday when someone published a video on YouTube of them playing doom eternal on their refrigerator <laughs> that's pretty freaking awesome um and what it really did when i saw that was like the the light bulb went off and i'll be honest 
it probably should have went off for me a long time ago, and I feel bad that I didn't really kind of understand this a long time ago, is just how big of a deal xCloud is going to be. Um, it all feeds into what PAC has been talking about forever, that we're not going to have to have consoles for very much longer. You can play Doom Eternal on your refrigerator now with xCloud. Like, if that doesn't wake you up to what PAC's been talking about for the last, like, five years, I don't know what will. Um, yeah, I still don't buy it, but... I promise you the gameplay experience of playing it through xCloud is not going to be lag-free to the point that I will find it acceptable. So I agree with you. I won't either. And I'm a big multiplayer gamer. I mean, it's a cool trick, gamer. but like, I will never do it because I have a multi-thousand dollar television I <laughs> bought specifically to see Doom Eternal on, and it looks way better than and my refrigerator. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a cool thing. You know, again, like, it's cool that someone got the original Doom to w- work on a pregnancy test. Yeah. But I'm not going to play gonna that play Doom either. on a pregnancy like, test. It's... it's <laughs> Like I, I get you. it. It's like kind of a it's kind of a tech. It's like look how far we've come, sort of thing. But like, I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know what I, else to well, say. I, I, and look, and it's still like running us, off so. of a it's still running off a console on my home network. It's not coming from Peoria somewhere like like Pactor's pr- proposing. Like I still have a console. It's still running in my house. Yeah. That's why it's going to be you know better than playing something off of like. Um, um, Stadia. I just think everything's so. going to get diluted because I think Microsoft's going to license that technology to anybody who wants it. And so you're going to have just tons of devices that are xCloud capable, along with your Xbox Series X. Sure. Or your I Xbox just don't, Series S. But. I mean, I'm sure that some people want to do stuff like that, but like for me, I'm like... It's sort of like the thing with the Switch. It's like, why do I never use it in handheld mode? Well, because I can play it on this really nice TV yeah. and it looks way better. And you're and not it's, it's, commuting anymore or yeah. taking long flights. Or, or even if I was, I would play something on my phone or my 3DS, which I still have, and just checked and got that Pokemon Bank subscription put back in so I didn't lose <laughs> all my legendaries. Uh, remember to do that this week. Yeah, don't forget. Um, but like, uh, I, you know, even when, Zelda, when Breath of the Wild came, when the Switch first came out, and I would like, you know, go places and like, oh, I could bring my Switch and play with Zelda. Well, why would I uh, when I can just wait until I get home and play it in a way superior manner? I, that's the thing is like, I just, I, I don't want this sort of weird on the go, like tin can version of these things that Everyone's I want to experience though, in this big, yeah, big I'm market. sure. I just, I don't believe that market is that big. Like the people who who are hardcore and would want to play things like that everywhere do care about the presentation. And the people that don't care about the presentation don't care about games enough to want to play everything everywhere they go, no matter what at all waking moments. So I, I think that is, again, a solution in search of a problem. I'm sure it will be a tech that becomes more prevalent than like the Stadia thing, like paying a fee to to subscribe to get like games you don't own piped into your house through like a remote streaming thing. But I still don't think it's going to be a factor to any large degree. I just opened my eyes. I was like, Oh, okay. I really see what this is about now. Also the, the, um, the, there was an update, uh, I think today, this morning that implied that the PS five is going to be able to stream, do that streaming to the Vita. Interesting. Which like there's a there's there's a name I've not heard in a long time. Like, <laughs> will they start manufacturing them again? <laughs> no, but I think it's just a thing you can because I'm sure yeah. the main thing is that you can do it to phones. You can do it, but apparently the Vita is going to be supported. At least that I mean, was it how was people, before with PS4. You can yeah, that's how people it. were interpreting yeah you know, the wording of the thing. Gotcha, so gotcha. Maybe and look, all your points I have to are find valid. My Vita. I'm not saying that your points don't make sense to me. They totally do. Right, um, there's I just, just a I lot just of people who play games now. Yeah, I just don't think they need to play them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I or if they do, it's not a PS5 kind of thing. It's like a, you know, it's an AFK arena thing. You know, it's it's something on their phone. It's something mindless they can do. 
Like I, I, like I, I hear what Pactor's saying about this sort of thing and the thing about not having a console at all and building another TV. I don't buy it. Like not in the next 10, 15 years. Okay. Like it's, it's just it's just too forced of an issue to me. Like the corporations want it. I get the publishers want it because it gives them way, gives them way more control over us and what we do and how we do it. But I don't think consumers want it at all. And that's going to be the difference. Okay. Um, and then the final bit of news for xCloud is that it's, it's launching officially for PC and iOS, which is a big deal in 2021. Uh, and then the final piece of Xbox series X news this week is something kind of cool and something that Microsoft I believe, has been better at than anyone else, and that's accessibility. Uh, the Xbox Series X on the back actually has, next to every port on the back, is probably, this is probably not the right term to use, but I think people will understand it the best if I say it this way, is like Braille around the ports. There are raised parts of plastic around each port to tell people who are visually impaired what each port is. Uh, not a big deal for most of us. Uh, but if we, if you have someone who's visually impaired mm-hmm. in your family, it's a gigantic deal. So I love that Microsoft has gone the extra mile with this kind of stuff. It has that awesome controller, uh, the accessibility controller that it built for Xbox One, and that controller is going to carry over to Series X. I just like that Microsoft is very conscious of the fact that not all players are the same, and some people have disabilities, and they like to play too. Mm-hmm. So, and I like I like that also because like, look, I yeah, I can see you fine, but like, well, unless I take my glasses off, but like. As someone who has to hook and rehook the HDMI on the PS4 all the time for the, you know how many times I've been, where the fuck I is the know, port? Man, I, I don't know it. where the, yeah, I got to get to behind the groove. And I, the, the, yeah. it's like, so like this, if you, something like that, like awesome. That's useful for everybody. For everybody that's not, you know, that's, that's yep. you know, more accessibility is great. Uh, I want, I would like to see all games start doing the thing that like Last of Us 2 and Star Wars Squadrons does where the first thing that pops up is the text to speech and like accessibility options. And you set everything the way you want it and the way you need it, uh, based on like how you, you need to play. And then everything starts and the presentation starts. Cause that's how you need to do it. You need to, cause it, it, you know, I, it, yeah, I, I hate subtitles. I don't like having subtitles on and I, I hate turn them off, yeah. that like, some games, not so much anymore, but some games used to, when they didn't give you that option at the beginning, like you'd start up and you have to watch the opening cutscene or something with, with the, subtitles with on. the subtitles, yeah. You have to and pause like, the game you, once it's over. But like, let's say you're deaf and you can't, you need the subtitles. Like, what? Like, you shouldn't have to watch the opening cutscene without yeah. the subtitles yeah. on. So, like, you have to give people that option in the beginning. And finally, publishers are starting to wake up to that. And I think that's great. Yep. Uh, so that's it. Those are the big updates coming from PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X this week. Obviously... A new gen's just around the corner, so we're going to keep updating you on all this stuff as it breaks. It was a slow week this week in games, Matt. <laughs> very, yeah, not very a lot. slow. Not a lot. Not a lot going on. And um, oh, oh, again, on the, you remember the, the PS4 store thing? Did you know, I mean, probably do, because you, you look at Sifted more than I do, obviously. Um, I didn't know that 13 Sentinels game came out. Yeah, it came out like weeks ago. Like, like yeah, it came out like September 22nd. <laughs> it got really good reviews too. Yeah, yeah like what the hell? Like Sony, you got to tell me this shit. How yeah. come every other thing that sells me things in in all of this like social media and everything like tracks my choices and like and like throw up stuff that's like hey like you probably like this because you've got all this anime crap that right. you bought from us and it's like nothing. I got nothing. I had to go search for it like through the actual search bar. The game's like three weeks old, not even three weeks old. Then I had to go through the search bar to find it. In and the whole time it was trying to sell me Senran Kaguya games. Like I'm like, no, I just want this. I don't want like, the it's, jiggle. It's so dumb. Like it, it, it's just. Well, it, the other problem was that literally, Xbox's like, store is so much smarter about that. Reviewed it. 
Um, so even if you sifted every day, if you didn't scroll a long ways down in your sift on the day those reviews came out, it would have completely. Yeah, that might have been it. Because like I'm used to seeing like a, a kind of a flood of reviews of right. new Usually things. Right. Usually when pop a game comes out, day. we'll have at least five, and it yeah. creates kind of a little block in your yeah. sift, and so it's easy to pick up on. But in this case, <laughs> the other thing too is that we. When we curate, we rate publications differently. Um, so a review mm. from IGN will give a little bit of a higher rating because people are more interested. I hate to admit it. You look at the data on our site, you guys watch IGN's reviews more than pretty much everyone else's. So when we rate that, when we're curating, we'll give it like a number higher. So if you only have a couple of reviews and one is from a big publication and one is from a smaller one, they may be even separated in your SIF because they've been rated differently, mm-hmm. and which may make it even harder to realize that you know the game has been released. Yeah. So. So totally what, and also like I might have forgotten which game it was yeah. because that's a terrible, terrible <laughs> title. Um, yeah. But we'll probably talk about that next week because I yep. bought it today. Okay. Um, so anyway, it's time to get on with the show proper. And as I just said, um, it has been a slow week as far as games are concerned, and that has forced me into the nostalgia zone for yeah, this even week. I, but man, even I didn't play this. Like this was <laughs> this did. is a this is the bottom of the barrel here. So let me tell you a story. Um, when I was a young kid uh, and I went to school, I lived out in the boonies. My bus ride was an hour each way to get to school and back. That's how far away I was from my school. Um, and because a lot of people in my school lived like that, there were like shifts of buses that would take kids home after school. So after school, we would all congregate in the library, which was in the center of our school. We'd hang out there. They'd have TVs on as everybody waited for their buses to show up so that everybody went home. And the way it worked was when that period started, G.I. Joe was on. And then once that finished, Transformers started. Now, I don't know if it was like that where you live, Matt, but that's the way it was for us where I lived. Uh, G.I. Joe went on, and then right after Transformers came on. I can't remember which was first. I think G.I. Joe was first, but it was the same deal. Like, I think where I lived, the syndicate, we had Channel 44. It was on Channel 44 in San Francisco, and uh, I believe it was, they were on at 3 and 3.30, but I can't remember what order they were in. Yep, so that's the way it was Um, for me. So basically what would happen was, I get there when G.I. Joe was on, and that was the time that we all talked. Uh, because we've been in school all day and we're <laughs> friends and we all live like so far apart from each other that we don't see each other very much. So mm-hmm. the first half hour, we just catch up and be like, oh, basketball practice, blah, 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 stuff that students talk about. And then you, you run out of stuff to talk about. Then I would watch Transformers. So I was way more into Transformers than I was G.I. Joe. But at the same time, G.I. Joe definitely has a place in my heart. And when I saw this come through my inbox and they were like, new G.I. Joe game coming, I was like, I'm going to check it out. And knowing that there wasn't a lot of big releases this week, I did. Um, And I will say this. The first thing I will say is that I do not regret it too much, Matt. This game, Hmm. G.I. Joe Operation Blackout, is not a terrible game. That's surprising considering who made it. I know. I I, I was as shocked as you are. Now, it's, it's not good either, Matt. (laughs) Right. <laughs> All I said was it's not terrible. It not is, terrible is a step up for GI Joe games. It probably is. Um, the last one I think was like probably 360. Yeah. Like I, I, I did. I definitely did a review of like I think it was based on the second movie or one of the movies from like back at G4. It was like a top down yeah. kind of almost a Ikari Warriors this thing. So dead. I a lot of people ask that question because um, Transformers has has kind Obviously of no persisted problems. the whole time. Yeah. 
Uh, G.I. Joe has tried tried to be reinvented at least three or four separate times. They've tried to bring back the classic stuff. It doesn't work. Um, part of it, the problem, I think, is that we are no longer in it's kind of the jingoistic Cold War era where we can sort of do the real American hero thing and everybody buys it as sort of a believable thing. Um, I think we're also in a post 9-11 world where fighting a bunch of terrorists doesn't seem all that much fun anymore. Yeah, that's um, a good point, actually. It's just hard to invent like a elite, a kind of a paramilitary task force into something that is like something Compelling. that feels like a fun adventure, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, now, yeah. The, now, currently, um, you know, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen that like Star Wars, the big Star Wars action figure success has been uh, the last few years has been the Black Series, which is a six inch, yep. you know, larger than the yep. old figures. Super I articulation. Bought some for my that kind of, and yeah. Nephews. yeah. So Hasbro uh, earlier this year started putting out G.I. Joe figures like that, which is what I've been saying they need to do forever. Like the, I'm like, yeah, take the black series and make G.I. Joe out of it. Like that's a, so they finally started doing that earlier this year with like the classic characters and their classic outfits, cla- everything, and it's selling like crazy. Nice. Like they like they can't keep the snake eyes and the destros and all these guys in stock. They they disappear in 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 seconds, just like the wow. Transformers, just like Star Wars. So G, they might have finally found the GI Joe niche for the modern collector. But it has been a struggle. Uh, GI Joe has come real close to disappearing forever several times in the last fifteen years. Well, um, see, I grew up with it. So when I was a kid, I always liked it. I, I was a, obviously I'm a Transformers guy, but like GI Joe was right there like i didn't have many of the toys but i enjoyed the show see i had i had all the toys and the gi joe toys back in the 70s were trailblazers um you got to realize toys back then if they were articulated at all they were like the best action figures on the market um and the gi joe dolls they were huge they were like 12 inches tall he had real hair which was really creepy it was like almost like a brillo pad thing on his head and then he would have special functionality. And so every year they would find something new that he could do that would justify them putting out another G.I. Joe. The first one that everyone probably remembers was the Kung Fu Grip. And basically his arm would just go like this. That's it. His arm would go like that. And that was enough for everybody to go and buy it because now you didn't have to imagine that he was karate chopping people. His arm would do it. And then the next one was this crazy thing where there was a switch in the back of G.I. Joe's head that you could slide back and forth, and his eyes would go left and right. I can't remember what it was called. It was like called, like, Radar Vision or some stupid crap. But I got that, too. And it, kids kept buying them over and over as they added this crap. So it was a part of my childhood my whole life. I just don't think that people who are... 20 and younger even know what gi joe is anymore and if they did do they want to have like action figures for like military like gung-ho do like i just i just wonder if it's ever gonna come back to probably not i mean it also like the if you go back to like because because what hasbro did when they were putting gi joe out that was in the wake of Masters of the Universe, because uh, because uh, yeah because yeah, reagan um re- removed the regulation that didn't allow like children's programming to sell things right. based on it. So then He-Man popped up. They're like, oh, well, instead of selling toys based on a popular cartoon or show, we're going to make a show to promote these toys we already know we want to sell. Uh, that was the difference. <laughs> was they made He-Man as an action figure line out of, out of uh, uh, that was originally uh, designs for Conan. That and makes then sense. Just, and, and then or when Thunder Conan the became... Barbarian. Then Conan became an uh, an R-rated thing. They decided, well, we can't do that, so we're just we're, we're going to do it. We'll just, um, 
we'll make our own thing up. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a show on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us that has an episode about He-Man that goes into all this. It's very fascinating. And like it's very show. clear that the three guys who made Masters of the Universe do not like each other very much. <laughs> it's, very, it's very funny. They like splitting uh, that it. money still, though. <laughs> but once He-Man was a big success, uh, Hasbro was like, oh, we can do this. So um, they teamed up with Marvel and said, we have all these action figures we want to do. Uh, you guys are good at stories. Can you figure out you know, a story and a set a setting for this. Cause originally they were just going to do like, like you were describing the old GI Joes. It was going to be um, a bunch of soldiers, you yeah. know, a bunch of GI Joe guys. And like the Marvel guys were like, well, you have to have them fight someone. Right. You need to have them. So you, that, they need an enemy. Cobra appeared. And they brought Cobra. So yeah. it's a secret of the GI Joe. Not only is it written by a bunch of Marvel guys, it's just the Avengers versus Hydra. Because Cobra is literally I Hydra. I see that. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, I totally it's just literally it. another reptile. Yeah. Like that's, and they even called it, if you remember, you know, you remember those old attacks, it was called Cobra the Enemy. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's why. Because they needed an enemy. <laughs> and so, anyway, and they, they had to explain that it was yeah, the enemy. And they made it all the size of, uh, all the size of the Star Wars figures because that was the new hotness. And of course, that was part of it because like Star Wars had the evil empire. You didn't sell bad guys back in the 70s. Like, yeah. So, yeah, Star Wars kind of started the that size and selling, you know, the small size guys. vehicles because because the, there were big vehicles. You know, I had one of those like uh, those GI Joe guy. It was he was called Big Jim. Yep. He, was, he was part of that, that line, and he had a Jeep. It was a Jeep like the a size of size me. Steel yeah, Jeep, it was, it was I would add. You know, it was full steel. Like you could change the tire with a jack yeah. and stuff. It was crazy. It was. Yeah, I just great. don't think kids would be into that stuff now. It's, no. So yeah. like that. So like now you actually have Avengers and stuff popular. Right. So like GI Joe, even the going back to the old real American hero thing, I think it just feels repetitive and redundant because uh, it was yeah. just a permutation of that. Yep. Uh, so anyway. I just wanted to explain to you why I played this game. I have an affinity for G.I. Joe that has been inside me since I was in, like, elementary school and middle school. Um, and this is the first game for G.I. Joe in a long time. I wanted to give it a spin. So I did. Um, the, I guess I'll just tell you, basically, it's a third-person shooter, a cooperative third-person shooter uh, that can be played with just one other person. And if you don't have another human being to play with you locally, then they will send a computer AI along to play with you. Um, there is also there are also multiplayer modes in this game. They're two versus two, and they're local only. I did. It took me a good ten minutes to figure out why why there were, the matchmaking wasn't working. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I've selected Cobra, and I'm waiting for all the things to fill in. And I started like doing something at the computer. I spun back around. And I was like. Nobody's playing. The matchmaking list is not broken. There's just no one playing because the game just came out today and nobody has it or whatever. Went back to working. Came back. It disconnected my controller. And then I started. To, there is no online. It's all local multiplayer. So, and there's no online co-op either. It's only local co-op. So to your point, Matt, about who made it. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely <laughs> signs that this was not a big budget AAA release for sure. Um, no. Now onto the, what I think for most people will be most important is how does it handle the GI Joe license? And I will say, you can tell the people who made this game love GI Joe. They have done a great job with the license. And the one thing I would say is the voice actors are great. Like I don't know if they got the some of the OGs to come back and voice it. I can't imagine that they could. Those people now are so old. Probably half of them aren't even alive anymore. So if they did indeed just find stand-ups for these characters, they did an amazing job. I mean, they nailed it. Like, I cannot tell the difference, honestly. I went back, 
and watched a couple of the old episodes of the cartoon on YouTube to just listen to a couple of the voices to see if I was crazy. I'm like, oh, I must be misremembering how these vo- – no. Like, they did a really good job. Um, there are 12 playable characters from – and the, the other thing is this is based on the cartoon. So the plot lines, the characters, the situations are all based on the cartoons. Good call. Um, but anyway – it, there are 12 different playable G.I. Joe characters in the game. There are 17 overall, so five of them are just, like, in cinematics or whatever. Um, the art style that they used out – I'll use cinematics loosely in this. There are a couple real-time cinemas that will just show for, like, literally, like, two seconds. Like, you went, you beat the boss, they show the boss falling down and dying. And then it goes to, like, these comic book-like animated still-type cinematics with voiceover. And it, so it's an indie game. I mean, that's typically the way indie games tell their stories, and that's the way the story is told here. But the plot is interesting. The writing is really good. The voice work is really good. Uh, the plot revolves around Cobra disabling G.I. Joe's satellite so that they can then essentially take over the world and no one can fight back. And they do that, and it works. And not only that, but they've also managed to capture the bulk of the G.I. Joe team. And your job is, as the the 12 remaining members of G.I. Joe, is to take Cobra down, get the satellite back up and running, and restore peace to the world once again. And how are you going to do that? You're going to do that with third-person shooting. (laughs) Um (laughs) Matt, we always talk about how why why don't games why don't more games use the active reload from Gears of War? This game does. <laughs> this game has an mm. active reload system, which is crazy. Um, it's, it, I'll say this though, it is right in the center of the screen. If you remember, Gears is kind of up in the corner. It yeah. is right in the center of the screen. So I wasn't in the habit of using an active reload, but I got into the habit really really quickly in this game because again, it's a part of your reticle. Um, and so it reminds you, like, hey, here's this zone. Try to reload right in this zone so you get more powerful attacks. Um, there are a lot of weapons in this game, but most of them really aren't traditional. You do get, like, um, there's grenade launchers and there's a typical assault rifle. But there's really some crazy weapons in this. Like, one of the G.I. Joe guys has, like, this crazy, like, electric gun that uh, that shoots, like, an arc. And you can tap it and it'll, like, stun an enemy. But if you hold it in, it'll slowly, like, zap them until they die. Um, And a lot of these weapons, there's really not a lot of explanation for them. Uh, When you start, they're not like, hey, this is how this weapon works, and this is how you should use it. And there really aren't any tutorials. They're just like, oh, you want to play as this guy now? Go ahead. Uh, And every character in this does typically have a unique weapon, which is something that I think is really cool, but it can also be pretty frustrating trying to learn how to use each one because some of them, there's no instructions on how to use them, and getting the most out of them takes a lot of trial and error to figure out. Um, So as I said, 12 characters playable, 17 that are actually in the plot. There's also 12 alternate skins for the characters, so... Um, if there's outfits from the cartoon that they maybe a character only wore it for one or two episodes, a lot of those are in the game, and you can dress up your characters in those if you want. Um, uh, the characters I'll, that I'll just mention, because these are the ones that people probably care the most about, Snake Eyes, Duke, uh, Roadblock, Storm Shadow, Cobra Commander, Destro, they're all in there. Pretty much all the Joes are in there. It seems like they got more characters than than Cobra, but it's, that's actually not true. They are split right down the middle, because... The campaign jumps. So the first mission you play in the campaign, you play as Cobra. Um, In fact, you play as Cobra Commander in the first mission. And then the second mission, you switch to G.I. Joe. So you start to, 
kind of get the plot from both perspectives, and it, it honestly works. Um, and it also keeps things from becoming mundane because after that first mission, it was all Cobra and them talking about it. And then after that second mission, it was all about G.I. Joe, and you start to learn the plot from their perspective. So I like how the story is told. I like the story. I like the way they've handled the IP. And then you got to play it. <laughs> right. I can't find anything on the cast. Um, okay. Which indicates to me that they did not use the old voice actors. Because, I don't know if it's even possible, to be honest with you. I mean, well, most of them are still have alive. changed or whatever by now, you'd think. Um, well, most, most of them can still do it. Um, certainly, Michael, certainly Michael Bell, who was Duke, and several other characters can do it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Chris Lotta, who was Cobra Commander, is gone. He was also Starscream, like one of the most unique voices. Um, and it's just for the last like 20 years since he died, there have been various people trying to imitate him in all the Transformers and G.I. Joe media. And I don't think anyone's ever really pulled it off. But um, yeah, there's enough of them that you could still do it. Okay. Um, but well, they're they probably expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're too expensive for them. Well, the good news is they sound great. They did a really good job finding stand-ins for those people. So that part of it is good. But then you actually have to start playing the game. And there's no aim assist in the game. Uh, the aiming is really jerky. It's really hard to draw a bead. Now, a lot of games that don't have aim assist, one thing that they do to cheat a little bit is that they make the character move at the same speed. That way, once you get the bead on an enemy, if you strafe along with them, generally your reticle will stay on them and you can keep shooting them. That doesn't happen in this game. All the characters move at different speeds. Um, it's really hard to land shots in this game. And then the other part of it, too, is that it's not a hard game. But it's not a cakewalk either. There are multiple difficulty settings. And I would say I'd be a little nervous about kids playing this game because, like the cartoons, even back in the 80s, there are some kind of adult themes in this. Um, but if you do feel okay with your kid playing it, there is an easier difficulty setting than, than the one I've been playing. But the one I've been playing, I've been dying. I've died a couple times um, to, like, boss fights and things like that. And going back to what I was saying about the duality of the campaign, the first boss fight is against a member of G.I. Joe, Duke. Um, and then the second boss fight is against a member of Cobra. So it just keeps switching it up. Uh, and again, you kind of see the, the plot from both perspectives. But then you have to play it. There's a jump. And when you jump, it's like this floaty crap. It's like you, you don't feel like you're ever really attached to the ground or leaving the ground. It's like you hit I the mean, jump. you do have to remember that this is the same company that made big rigs over the road racing. I know. So. How did they stay in business, Matt? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It's I mean, their, their list of stuff like, over the years is, I mean, they go going. Big Buck Hunter to that, to Country Dance All-Stars, to Nickelodeon Kart Racers. They did American Ninja Warrior game. They did the Zombieland game. Um, they All got, crap. Uh, yeah, they All crap. They hidden, a bunch of hidden object games. That's probably the secret. Wow. Uh, they got, they're doing the Cobra Kai game that's coming up, which that looks that awful. That looks awful, like, too. It looks really yeah. bad. This game is, looks better than Cobra, or is, I think, better than what Cobra Kai looks. I'll put it to you that way. It's a functional game that works the way it's supposed to. Um, <laughs> put that on the box. I mean, that's the level that we're talking about with this studio, though, aren't we? I mean, that's yeah, where we're at. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they're called Game Mill. Like, yeah. that just sounds yeah, like you're just, just right churning there. It's like we're sounds just like churning it's selling sawdust in a box. It's an assembly line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to... <laughs> dust up the graphics on level five. <laughs> uh, so anyway, 
Get um, some spit is, on that there, Lenny. It'll be fine. Yeah. So other than the active reload, it is a paint-by-the-numbers third-person shooter. Um, you have a grenade. You have your primary weapon. You have your secondary weapon. And you have a special. Uh, and you squeeze both triggers to fire off the special. Some of the specials are so bad. Like, Cobra <laughs> Commanders, like... He just sprays this green, like, mist out in front of him. And, like, the AI of the enemies is so dumb that, like, they'll just walk into it and die. But it's so stupid. The green, it doesn't move. And then the enemies are dumb enough that they just move into it to die. It's the most unfunctional, ridiculous super I've ever seen in a video game. And then some of them are just like, now I'm healed. Um, And then some are pretty cool, like... The first Joe character has, like, this crazy, like, lightning strike thing that happens. Um, but each character has one. Whereas in a lot of games, they'll have two that you can use anytime you want. Or there's two that you can toggle between. Or you can choose multiple. There's just one for each character. But again, there are 12 playable characters. So that's a good bit of stuff to have to create. Uh, but as I said, the aiming is wonky. There's no uh, there's no aim assist. Uh, the moving and the jumping feels floaty. and can feel a little, like, just detached from your character in general. Even when you're sprinting, the movement speed feels slow. It's just one of those kind of games where it works and everything kind of there functions the way it's supposed to, but it just doesn't feel good. Uh, Kind of back to how they handle the IP. There's cool stuff in this. Um, You have the Persuader, G.I. Joe's huge craft. You have the Cobra Hiss tank that you can pilot in another mission. Locations like the USS Flag um, and Cobra Headquarters are in the game. So... It is a love letter to G.I. Joe. And that part of it, they got right. The The rest of the part of the game is functional, but not great. And so with games like this, generally, I tell you, you know what? If you're a fan of G.I. Joe, buy it at 20 bucks. The problem is this game is double that. It's $40, which to makes mm. it, for me, completely impossible to recommend. This game is not I, worth I, $40. I feel like this will be 20 bucks soon enough. Soon enough. Yep, you wait a couple months, you'll probably be able to pick it up for 20 bucks. It is available for everything, every major platform, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Mm-hmm. It's available beginning yesterday. It just came out. Um, and I don't even know if there's a box version of it available. I think you're going to have to go and get it digitally. I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to step into it with... Uh, I think it, it looks like there is a physical copy of it because you can get free shipping from game from oh, Target. Well, there you go. Uh, I would not and recommend in, buying either version. <laughs> yeah, and it's in stock at GameStop two miles from here, so I guess it is. There you go. So there is there is a physical version. I would steer clear. I would wait until this goes on a discount on some Steam yeah. sale. I mean, look, I'm going to step in it for with the Transformers one that's coming out soon too. Like, which yep. it was like a turn-based strategy thing. I think. Yeah, I saw. It, yeah. Um, I'll play. I'm it. sure that's terrible <laughs> it's too. It's like but... XCOM Transformers. I'm in. Yeah. Like, yeah I'll try sure. it. <laughs> there, there are certain IP that I'm always going to give a chance. GI Joe's one of them. It's just, it just is. Um, yeah. And I can play Rise of the Dark older. Spark. I can play that. Yeah. So. It just is what it is, but I do not recommend buying it. Wait till it's at least half priced, around 20 bucks. 40 bucks is way too much. All right. One thing we like to do here on Game Face is we like to give Matt some agency to go out and look for games and find stuff that he likes and bring it back to the show to share with you guys. Um, it's, I think, it's one of the great parts of Game Face. Um, indie games, it's very hard to find the needle in the haystack. And we don't talk about it much here on Game Face. Uh, but Matt has a really good eye for this stuff. And he has found another indie that he's kind of uh, drawn his attention to. And he wants to talk about it on today's show. And that game is Shadow Gangs. It's a game that came out back in April on PC. And it's just kind of flown under the radar 
I have well, not. It came out yesterday on Xbox, which is out, how I found it. Okay, so it came out for PC back in April. Yeah. A few months later for Xbox, and just by checking it out very quickly, it looks like Ninja Gaiden ish. No. What is so, it? So, so this is actually where I want to get into, like what I said about the store thing before. Okay. So this was on. I was looking at the pre-order se- section on um, on Xbox, trying to like see if there, anything was coming up that I was interested in. And this was the first entry because we're coming out later the same day, right? And I'm like, what a shadow game. And like, look, on almost any other storefront, I would have seen this generic title and the generic art and just ignored it. Right. But because I was highlighted on it and the new Xbox store, whenever you're highlighted on something, it plays a video. A little trailer. And And I saw the video and I realized, oh, this is Shinobi. Oh, it's Shinobi. It's, 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 this game is a literal almost a literal reskin slash sequel to the original arcade shinobi game this game is more like the original arcade shinobi game than the sequels to shinobi really it's mind-boggling how did they get it's, away with it because no one cares i guess yeah like, they're like it's gonna sell ten thousand copies 40 year old game no one knows <laughs> so like and it's like kind of a it seems to be sort of an homage to those old weird arcade games of the time those action ninja based arcade games of the time that were sort of in the same vein as like the you know what van damme is making at the time yeah. or like ninja three the domination or whatever yeah. shit um in that so it's, it's really weird and bad and campy and you're and you're like is that intentionally misspelled <laughs> i really don't know you know, and so um, you load it up and it like does the scroll of like what the you know, situation is. Uh-huh. Um, so the premise is that like computers and robots take over society and rule our lives. So the and the only the only people that can stand up to the robots are ninjas. <laughs> Makes but perfect the, sense, Matt. <laughs> but then the ninjas lose, and the robots fully take over. So the ninjas have to go underground, and then the ninjas start to kind of like real rise as street gangs. But then the robot overlord says, "No, capture all the ninjas." So the the robots capture all the ninjas, except one, and, and except you. You are the last ninja, <laughs> who is oddly a white guy who looks like a street punk from 1985. <laughs> So re- and so you have to go through and fight all these like cyborg guys and save all your ninja friends. So base and eventually you have to fight the leader of the country of the robots. So basically instead of the president being kidnapped by ninjas, ninjas were kidnapped by the president. <laughs> and and what happens with this uh, is um so you go in here and it's like full on like like the first was like mission 1, the city. And it's just like oh, okay, I guess it's, it's very <laughs> there you uh-huh. know and like and you walk through i mean the movement is the same as shinobi the, the game you know you start out as a guy walking kind of slowly and he shoots shuriken and he can kick people kick and punch guys if they get too close and then if you pick up the power up later um you know in the, in the original game you, you could rescue a hostage that would give you a power up and it would yeah. you know up your up your power and same with this you can find a little power up says n on it and you get that n and it powers you up, and then you change out of your street punk gear and change into a ninja suit. You get to pick the color of the ninja suit. You're like you get, Superman. You, be, you can be blue or red or black ninja suit. And then you can, uh, you just like the old Shinobi, you get the traditional ninja weapons of a sword and a machine gun. Um, and the machine <laughs> like gun just like... cross with Yakuza. 
Just like Shinobi, you get a machine gun when you're powered up, and um, the the machine gun can the the bullets can like break the guard of enemies that can guard. And every enemy you'll notice if you play the first level is every enemy that has an exact analog in Shinobi. There's the the soldiers just run at you. There's the slightly better ninjas that can slash at you. There's the Spider-Man guys that are dropped down on you. There's the guys who with the shields and the and the throwy sword that guard the hostages. Like it's all there. It's all the same. And you hit up and hit the jump button, and he jumps up to the next level, jumps down to the next level. Uh But, but, so it's all, the baseline is all Shinobi. Like, exactly the same as Shinobi. But, I get right down to, like, if you get hit by something that doesn't hurt you, you do the ow, 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 like, the the bounce (laughs) thing where you bounce around through shit. Wow. the trick is so they have upgraded it a little bit. So you can instead of taking one hit and dying, you can take three hits before you die. So you have a small life bar. <laughs> um, when you're powered up, you can double jump, okay. which is a surprising chain. Is a surprising like shift. So that's more like Revenge of Shinobi. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a quick double jump that can get you over some stuff. Um, you have ninja magic, like the screen clearing blast thing, but you also have landmines. <laughs> And I, I don't know why. Well, you have a machine gun, Matt. You gotta have landmines. In the second level, you are attacked by like guys on motorcycles and guys driving red DeLoreans trying to run you over. (laughs) And you can jump kick the 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 DeLorean. No, you can jump kick or shoot the guys (laughs) in the motorcycles. As far as I know, you can only jump over the DeLorean. But you can't drop mines in that level. I'm like, if you ever thought you wanted me to use a mine, (laughs) it's against a DeLorean, right? Um, But no, you can't. You can only jump over the door. Also, there's like things where like, and I haven't quite like got a handle on this, but sometimes you'll do something. You kill a bunch of guys in the in the right order. You kill a bunch of guys really fast and don't get hit. Or like if you jump kick one of those with motorcycle guys, they'll drop down a red orb, and that will give you like a nice bonus thing. Sometimes it's a an extra um, use of ninja magic. Uh, Sometimes it's a little like. You get like a, it's an O power up, which is like an option from like an old shooter, like a like a you know shoot 'em up. Yeah. Or like it, it's it's like this like hover drone gun thing that hangs over your shoulder and just shoots guys behind you, which is actually really useful. That's <laughs> really good. Um, but like so that's kind of how it works. And and like the first boss of the first mission is a cyborg ninja who it looks exactly like Gray Fox from Metal Gear Solid, and whose name is Colin. <laughs> <laughs> is it good and, though? Are you enjoying playing it? I am because I like Shinobi, but it is just Shinobi with some modern tweaks to it. And here's the other thing. I don't know what Mission 2 is because this game's fucking hard. Oh. Like, it's really difficult. So you haven't beaten the boss yet, the first No, boss. I haven't beaten the first boss yet. And there's like <laughs> six missions. Um, so it's three levels, like, you know, uh, City, Bridge, and Colin. It's literally the names of the three levels. <laughs> the City, the Bridge, and Colin. And that's funny. Colin so far is just kicking my ass. You have limited, <laughs> you, have, you have two continues and that's it. And uh, so like, if you don't get that, that's it. And so once you can clear a mission, you can start from the beginning of each mission, but I haven't finished mission one yet. Gotcha. Um, but like, yeah. So it's hard as like, nails. It is. It's very, and even with three hits, it, I mean, it's, Shinobi's it, hard as nails. Yeah, absolutely. And th- this even is the a little one with hard as nails. This is a little less forgiving in places, even though everything's Jeez, almost the same. Less forgiving. Wow. Well, because even you can with take the three health strike. Because you can take three hits, so they don't give you quite as much room oh. to breathe in places. Oh, I see. Um, and there's checkpoints here and there. So like every once in a while, you if you hit a, but if you hit a checkpoint, it's like, oh, this next part's gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> you just like, know they're setting you up for doom. Um, and there's like, yeah, it. But like a lot of it's like you can you can get through it. It's it's fun. And there's like little twists they have. Like some there's like these uh, these thief ninjas where like 
if you open a power up, sometimes this green thief ninja will run up and grab the power up you're going to get in a bag and run away. And if you don't kill that thief, you don't get the power up. Oh. Uh, so that can cause you to like, kind of chase after them and do like some like more reckless things, which Just I think is need. a nice twist. <laughs> Just right. what you want um, in a game that's hard. <laughs> but sometimes you like go for broke and you do some really cool stuff. That's like so Crash that's, Bandicoot that's 4. Like as yeah. I started getting more comfortable and I just started going for it, I started like surprising myself with some of the stuff I was yeah. doing. I was like, so that's wow, the thing, okay. Is, like, it's it's very throw it's a throwback and this like the music's very throwbacky. It's very it's absolutely shinobi from start to finish. Um, it's hard as nails, like one of those old arcade games. Um, and like, I don't know why it exists. I can't imagine tons <laughs> of people would like it, well, but I like it. The second point is forty bucks, dude. What? No, right. I didn't pay that much for it. It's twenty. Oh, no, it's twenty-five. It's like 25, 25. Which is too much. Yeah. It's, it shouldn't be twenty-five bucks. It should be like ten. Yeah, um, that sounds more right. 10, but 15, like maybe. 10, 15 is more like what I'd think for this. But I got it because I, I saw the video and I'm just like, okay, that's Shinobi. Like, I got to know what this is. Like, this I got to play it because I love Shinobi. It's one of my favorite things well, of all time. That trailer got 25 bucks out of you. It did. <laughs> the fact, the not power that, of marketing. The, the, or, no, the fact that you were able to show me something I recognize. The fact that, that despite your terrible icon art and your stupid title... The fact that Microsoft Store automatically shows a video to me, no matter how short a time I'm I'm highlighting your thing, was able to show me, and that was able to to hit that lizard. I was like, oh, that's Shinobi. Like, <laughs> and if you show me a Shinobi thing, you got my attention. And so I'm like, okay, I, I watched the whole thing, and I'm like, okay, that looks enough like Shinobi, and looks like in minuscule details enough like Shinobi that I want to see what this is all about. So I'm going to try it. So I did. I think it was actually like $23 or something because it was you like a the launch discount. Disc, pre-order <laughs> discount or something like that. Uh, so Matt, do you know if it came out for PS4 and Switch as well? I have no idea. Yeah. We, um, don't, we actually I, don't even have that game in our database. No, that's what I, I, I went and searched <laughs> because I was like, is this and even... We're pretty no, aggro. Like, we add almost much. anything. I think the last time I can remember that happening was Rebel, Rebel Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, you're um, good at years, finding years games ago. that we don't have on Sifted. <laughs> so, uh, so this is a thing that exists. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm not really recommending it so much as saying like, "Hey, it's you remember Shinobi? Go watch a video of this. It's crazy. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe yeah. you'll like it. But also, it's fucking hard. Like, it, I mean, but <laughs> if the, you are the saying it's really hard, Matt, I want no part. But here's of the it. thing: like, I've kept throwing myself against the wall with it. Like, trying. I'm still having fun doing it and yeah. getting better. I guess the thing is, like, one of the ways you know that one of these games is well-designed, like this kind of side-scrolling arcade game is well-designed, especially the hard ones, is that every time you go through it, you get better. You do a little and bit And you learn better, how yeah. to deal with the enemies better, and you learn the patterns better, and you're like, oh, I got through that, no problem. Because early on, I was like, oh my god, I don't want to play that whole first level again. And then I, pl I went back and played it again, like, I'll try it again. I got through like, oh, that was fast. You got through like that half a no bit, problem. no problem, yeah. And like, you're starting to learn little tricks, and like, there's there are little things with it, like, like, you, like you can hit guys in the air in ways that you couldn't in Shinobi. Uh, the aerial attacks are way better than, you know, and they freeze the game for a second, so it feels like a nice meaty hit, wow. and like, you get a little moment to like, look at everything and see where you need to go next. Uh -huh. Uh, there's bonus stages, which are direct ripoffs of Shinobi bonus <laughs> stages. So like, there's there's a one where you you know you're throwing stars at the ninjas on the on the catwalks. There's one like that's exactly like that, except you have an Uzi. Of course you do, traditional ninja weapon of an Uzi. <laughs> and there's there's two power ups on treadmills, and they're slowly moving to like the the opposite sides of the screen. And ninjas come in to pick them up and run away with them. You have to shoot all the ninjas where they run away with the power ups. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then there's one where like ninjas come out of a building. And you have to kill them as they land. And if they land and get away from you and jump away, you lose for some reason. 
because that's and I I beat it the first time I tried it, and I have not been able to get more than three kills on it since. Dang. I don't know. Beginner's luck was very strong with that one. <laughs> so um, twenty five bucks. Definitely available for Xbox. My guess is it's probably available for at least PS4 or Switch as well. I would think it's coming. I would assume you'd put this on any everything and anything. It feels like a good Switch game. And the PC version, um, even though it's older, is still $25. Because I checked the price of the PC version. It's So they may have discounted it and then brought the price back up when they released the console versions. I don't know. Yeah, currently it's only listed. Google only listed as being on Steam. Okay. Um, not even on Xbox. Wow. So like, this, maybe it's a it is little, just an Xbox exclusive for maybe consoles. I don't know. It's it's a little under the radar. Um, but like I said, like, we don't have a game page, and we have game pages for stuff we probably shouldn't have game no, pages it's, for. It's like charmingly cheesy and like just just the right amount of dumb, I guess I'd say. And like it's, but probably only for Shinobi fans. Only for Shinobi fans or people who like sort of like that weird two D side scrolling arcade games thing and miss that. From back in the day, I guess I think it looks like maybe it was a Kickstarter at some point. Like, me, I have no, I didn't know this existed until <laughs> yesterday afternoon. Like, it's yeah. so weird. But I'm like, this is exactly up my my alley. It's 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 such a giant plagiarism of Shinobi <laughs> your, and it's your great. favorite things. Uh, so there you go. That is called Shadow Gangs. Um, what yeah. does the gangs part have to do with anything? Well, I said like the ninjas, the ninja, the art of ninja resurfaced through street gangs oh, after right, the robots right, right. beat That's them right. all down. When you said they came back; they were gangs. Yeah, because right. the because the robots killed the head the, <laughs> the head of all the ninjas, whose name was Honcho. <laughs> the head head Honcho. Head Honcho. Yeah, <laughs> they lost their head Honcho. That's I mean, this is what you're dealing with here. Yep. Okay, so there you go. Twenty five bucks PC and Xbox for sure. We'll have to get back to you on the other two platforms. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I mean, Google doesn't even know that it's on Xbox yet, so who knows? Okay. I, I didn't look at. I didn't look at the PSN store yet. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the biggest game that came out in the past week, and that is Baldur's Gate Three. I've had a request in for code for that for a few days now. It looks like I'm getting denied. Um, unfortunately, just like they got denied for the new Nvidia card. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point as well. Um. Matt, you've been playing it, though, for a week. In fact, we almost talked about it on last week's show, uh, but it took you so long to download it that you couldn't yeah. get enough time in before the well, episode. So It wasn't just that. It was that it doesn't like my video card. Oh. Um, it's it's very buggy. It is early access a year out or more from release, so it's it's rough because um, it is early access. It's, you know, they, they I think they estimate it's about a year before release. I I think that's they're a, trying. That's a whole lot of early access. Holy crap! I mean, that's about what Origi- Divinity Original Sin had. Original that's Sin true. Two had. Yeah. Because um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to to work through. The the, the, early, the early access build is Act One uh, of three, and there's lo- I mean, there's like eighty fights in this. There's like six hundred NPCs, hundred and fifty skill. I mean, it's it is a Part lot. Part one of three. Yeah, and <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean the the re- the reserved si- install size is 150 gigs, Whoa. and the early access build is only 80. But the oh, full you know game what? is going to. I'm glad they didn't send it to me. I don't even have that much free space on my the, hard drive. I don't think the I full can... game is going to be 100, like 150. Wow. Um, this is huge. This game is huge. Like the it's Baldur's Gate. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I should have known. <laughs> they're going. They're going for real here. 
Um, Matt, so, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, give people an overview of the game and what it's like. I mean, maybe compare it to another game. Stuff. Like um, that. Well, I mean, Divinity: Original Sin is the closest comparison because uh, it's Larian. It's the people who made Divinity: Original Sin and Original Sin Two. Um, so you're talking about kind of a top-down sort of slightly, maybe three, almost three quarters perspective, 3D RPG, party-based, turn-based combat. Um, and sort of like very interactive with the world, you know, like that's the the interesting thing about what Larian did with like Original Sin was they dealt a lot with the kind of inter elemental interactions, mm -hmm. um, using the environment of the battlefield and not just like your attacks, um, you know, like getting getting a getting a guy, you know, using an oil slick to to, to get oil on someone and then like throwing fire at them and setting the whole thing on fire. Um, if you've got like a flaming enemy, you can throw like water, a water spell at them and it'll douse them and stuff like that. Um, you know, playing with the interaction of systems basically is what kind of what Larian does. And uh, after Original Sin 2, which really took that to an extreme, because uh, after Original Sin 1, apparently the head of Larian went to Wizards of the Coast and was like, hey, can we do a uh, Baldur's Gate 3? Like, you want to do Baldur's Gate? And they're like, mm, who are you? Whatever. <laughs> and, uh, that was it. and then after Original Sin 2, uh, they called them. And said, "Hey, are you still interested in doing the Baldur's Gate thing? Because we we think you might be the guys, you know." Uh -huh. And so, so they did. Um, and uh, so that's what it is. Is it's a it's it's in the vein of the old Baldur's Gates, but it is not real time with pause. It's a turn based combat and system. set in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. Most yeah, set in set in the same forbidden what rule forbidden set. It's forbidden. Same forbidden realms as okay. as uh, as Baldur's Gate, uh, but it is fifth edition. Okay. Um, so that's actually one of the interesting things is that um, fifth edition is a really cool version of D and I haven't played a whole lot of it, but I do know people who do play it and do streams about it and all that. You know, like so, I'm moderately familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, there are some things here and there that people don't like about it or think hasn't been balanced right. Or da, da, da. The thing about it is, uh, you know, uh, Larian's changing a bunch of these things to make it adapted to be a video game because it's not. You know, you can't sometimes you can't straight port stuff over from the tabletop game because they don't work the same way. Uh, but there's things like so almost every class in in fifth edition is pretty viable as whatever you want it to do. Um, but one of the classes that players aren't super thrilled about is the ranger, which used to be a, a kind of a fan favorite. But a bunch of his a bunch of the ranger's abilities in um, in fifth edition are a little weird uh, because of some of the changes to the systems. Um, uh, one of them being that. Uh, like the 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 class skills you get are kind of useless sometimes because like uh, there's a favored enemy thing that the ranger can do that's always been a ranger thing but like because of how the class systems work in this like other classes get way more useful skills that are useful all the time uh, whereas the ranger's like favored enemy is only useful if you run into that favored enemy yeah, right yeah so what larian's done in the game this game is not only does the favorite enemy thing give you a bonus against those enemies, but it gives you a like bonus skills that are relevant to what you'd have to know to fight that enemy. Ah, so like, okay. say say your favorite enemy is like um, like extra planar creatures was one of the characters I made. Um, what like the the bonus some of the bonus skills they get is like they know lore about those. And so they can spot things and, and identify things that can do that. Or they know um, that, that, you know, it's, they're more immune to like fear or something like that, like of, of like weird things like that. So there's, there's an intimidation bonus to that maybe. So they, they tweak that a little bit. Uh, they also tweak the fact that, um, so one of the, the way the fifth edition works is there's two kinds of actions you can take 
uh, during a round, which is a little different. It, it, it prop, propped up basically this way in um, in 3.5, but has been honed since then. Mm-hmm. So you have normal actions, which we're all familiar with from playing any D&D game from back in the day. And you've got bonus actions. So bonus actions are sort of little normal, like like kind of mundane actions you can take that don't use up your turn. You've got like one of those per turn. So you can, so a bonus action would be like jumping somewhere or like reloading your bow or, or your crossbow or swapping weapons or that kind of thing. Yeah. So you can do these sort of little tweaks to what you want to do without using up your action turn, you know, using up your attack like for, that. The, for the yeah. turn, right? So one of the problems the Ranger has in the baseline fifth edition rules is that, because one uh, you can do a, a Beastmaster Ranger, which is a, you know, you, a different type of Ranger. You can specialize each class in different types. And the Beastmaster is sort of the traditional, what you would think of as um, as like the the hunter from World of Warcraft, because you have a pet, you know, you've got like a wolf or whatever you want. Um, but in fifth edition, for whatever reason, they decided that the animal companion attacks... Um, Instead of your turn, like, that's your action. Oh, the animal's so, action is your the action. The animal's action is your action. But in this game, in Baldur's Gate 3, the animal's, the, the, your your beast companion uh, act acts on his own. Is it, so, you, it's not, so it's not a bonus move either. It's No, it's, it's the, 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 the animal is its own character. Oh, wow. So, you, so exactly what you would expect from having a wolf with you, you've doubled your attacks, wow. right? Um, and and you've added an thing, extra character to your party. Right. And there's just little things like, um, uh, was it, uh, a couple of people pointed this out on Twitter, um, but there's a, cause I didn't know about this cause I don't play the game well, the, the tabletop game enough, but there's a, it's called, uh, I think it's called true shot is an ability that's in the, the game where like basically the, in the, in the tabletop version, it lets you roll twice for an attack and whichever is better, you keep that one. Mm. So it's basically a double chance. To, but the problem is like statistically, it, the problem is true shot uses a uh, true strike maybe it is i don't know whatever it uses up an action mm. and then buffs the next turn so it's actually more mathematically beneficial just attack twice right yeah um so what they do in Baldur's gate 2 is is that same skill buffs the next two attacks you mean Baldur's gate 3 in the new one Baldur's gate 3 okay. it buffs the next two attacks okay so so now you've got two chance two times it's where you crazy get kind of a, that they've gone so deep to balance oh that's they've gone way sign, deep on man. this that's a yeah really they've gone way sign. deep on this they've thought about this really hard and what like, is the plot in um obviously i'll get, an to, RPG, the, I'll get to that that's really important i'll get to that okay. in a second but like the so there's 13 i think it's 13 classes in fifth edition uh this game the, the early access has nine Okay. Um, That's and the they will they will eventually have all of them, okay. but they're not all in. Uh, they all have you know little subclasses. Like I said, there was like Beastmaster Ranger, and there's a couple others. There's, there's at least two Does or three. Does every class of each. have a subclass? Every class has different variants that you can pick from. Okay. Um, and they all and they will have more as they move forward because there's more stuff that's not in there. Um, they're, I think they're missing a few races as well, but there's a lot in there. You know, everyone you know, there's tieflings, which are demon demonic creatures. There's uh, these things that start with G that are like these alien orc looking things that like are kind of new. Uh, I can't remember Grith Yaki or something like, um, but they're, they're in this a lot. Um, one of the first party members you get is one of those. Uh. Um, so everything you expect from fifth edition is in here. Like they, they are really just taking everything fifth edition offers and turning it into a Baldur's Gate game in the vein of what Larian's made in the past. And like the, the attention to detail on it is astounding. It sounds like uh, it. Holy moly. And then, and on top of that, like one of the things in original sin two, um, you could, 
create your custom character or you could pick from pre-made characters. And the pre-made characters in Original Sin 2 work a little better because they're fine-tuned to work in what the game is planned to be. And also because they have specific origins and backgrounds, sort of like the Dragon Age Origins thing where you picked where you're, where the characters are from, yeah. the, there's more dialogue like in, in the game. Right, right. <laughs> there's more dialogue in the game that kind of deals with that, whereas a custom character doesn't have that backstory necessarily. So Original Sin 2, it's usually uh, presumed you should pick one of the pre-rolled characters because you get a little more lore with it. Uh-huh. Um but Baldur's, so Baldur's Gate 3 right now, you can only do a custom character, but you can see this grid of all the, pre, the pre-made versions and you know, origins of the characters, like where they're all going to be from or whatever. Uh-huh. Those are all going to be in there too. So you're going to have, okay. but, but they've intentionally made the custom character like be a lot more robust in terms of how you can make them and what, you know, how they're interacting with things and all that. So Versus Divinity, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, so they're they're definitely evolving beyond what Divinity Original Sin Two was, which was already one of the best yeah. CRPGs right. ever made. I would say so. This is there are you know so right here, just going through the character creation, you're like, oh, they're going like hard on this. <laughs> like this is huge. And I did think it was funny they put out a thing where they they uh, they actually scolded the player base uh, last week because they they went through all their their um you know their 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 uh, metrics that they'd gotten back from all the people playing and went through and they basically said you know give us go for this crazy character generator where we can create all these different characters and put all these weird things on to, you know, make like the the average character like take like the most common things and like say like, what's the like mash it all together and tell and give us the average character people are making and it's just like a standard white guy. <laughs> of course with, it is. Everyone. With like black hair. And they're like, we gave you devil horns and tails and glowing eyes and like all the, like make some interesting people It was Nolan here. North. On. Yeah, you literally made <laughs> Nolan North. Like it was, it was very fun. But they were just like, hey, we didn't do this for nothing. Get creative out <laughs> there. Working, you yeah. um, so I thought that was very funny. Yeah, that they called, funny. Called, us, called people out on making the most boring <laughs> Imaginable generic well, character. Use of all the work they put my, into it. My I, I my it. main character that I've ended up kind of playing more than the others has been a warlock, a tiefling warlock who has like blue blue skin, a tail, goat horns, and like glowing red eyes, and like you know she's she's great. Um, but like so it's been a lot, been a lot really cool to see that. Um, the story, as you know, as best I can piece it together right now, because you know this, we're early days of yeah. it was probably gonna be a hundred hour game. Right. Um, is uh. It starts very in the middle of things, and it starts on a nautiloid uh, airship run by what are called mind flayers. I think most people know mind flayers. That may be one of the few things from D&D that most people know. I think most people probably know mind. They they know beholders. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wasn't mind flayers in um, Stranger Things? What did they call that creature? It was called something That was a demogorgon. They, I think maybe they did call the the ones in season three mind fla- the mind something flare. similar yeah yeah so in in D and D the actual D and D mind flayers are basically um, monsters that have sort of like Cthulhu looking like octopus squid heads mm-hmm. um, and they're very they're psychic monsters you know, they're psychic enemies they can like get in your mind and fuck with you and that kind of, and, and strip your mind of things like that. Um, and there's sort there of like a cult. There's some things I'd like him to get rid of in my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sort of a cult, and like the the trick. So like early, like the opening is basically one of these mind flares goes, and like there's a there's the first character who ends up being your first ally, a party member is tied up in like a you know, like a pod, like an alien thing, and he he picks up like this little like worm out of this pool and sticks it right in her eye, and uh, 
Not a not a good game if you got eye pro- things. <laughs> I guess I'm, not. I'm, eye stuff doesn't bother me, but I know some people hate eye. So the thing gets in her eye, and then it, then he takes it and goes into, and it becomes clear that like you're watching this through the eyes of your character who is also captured. Yeah. And it goes the, the the mind flare like puts you see the thing bite into your into your eyeball at first from first person perspective, and it's like Baldur's Gate three. Like, awesome. <laughs> Here we go. All right. <laughs> um, so the so this the nautiloid thing attacks a city, which is presumably Baldur's Gate. I'm not sure. The Baldur's Gate, the city itself is not in this early access build. Yeah, oh. you, you, don't, you don't get to it in Act One. Okay. Um, but um, it attacks a city, and the city sends um, dragon riders after it. And so there's this huge aerial battle with dragon riders blowing. This. It's like using these tentacles to like zap people and kidnap them into the into the ship for reasons unknown. But basically, the 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 ship gets gets torched by a dragon, and because of the damage done to it, you you and the other character uh, escape, uh, whose name I can't remember either. Um, she has a weird fantasy name i can't remember um but she's like a tough kind of klingon character sort of yeah, warrior character uh, and you escape and she's like we got these worms in our in our brains which are going to turn us into mind flares if we don't get out get them out um and so you have to escape the ship and sort of like the the, the main goal is to sort of get, get out, these worms worm out, out of your you. head but it turns out that you don't turn into them you don't turn into mind flares something's weird about it something's not working right so it, it doesn't turn you into mind flare, but it does let you communicate through the worms somehow mm-hmm. so there's sort of a mystery of like what did they do to you right, is sort of the right. initial driving mystery of the of the piece shall we say um and like that's about all I can say about the story because because I haven't really gotten to anything Sounds bigger good. and juicier. I'm hooked. I'm, um, I'm ready to learn you know, more. It's a really cool opening. It's a great <laughs> yeah. opening. Like they they start in the middle of crazy shit. Like unlike a couple, you know, some RPGs are like, oh, we're gonna start you in a idyllic all village. Of them. Oh, here and you're you are up walking up, up on the sandy beach from this your is wrecked like, boat. No, you are kidnapped. <laughs> we throw a worm in your eye. The the ship is crashing. Everything's on fire. And you got to fight demons to get out. Wow, like, that's go, great. Go go go. And this genre um, in particular really starts slow. Like divinity. Yeah, those games. Divinity start definitely starts slow. slow. Man. Oh yeah! Holy crap! So, so the combat on this is like is like Divinity in the sense it's turn based. But the thing about what they're doing to Baldur's Gate three um, is they are really expanding out sort of the terrain usage, and they are trying and I think succeeding for the most part so far to create that feeling that you know a tabletop game of D anD D has, where you feel like you can play in play around with things and do things however you want. Um, and sort of like, oh, I found this thing. (laughs) Right. But it's like, oh, I found this thing. What can I do with this? And like, that's the thing is like, Larian's very good at that. Was good in original sin too. It's like, if you found an object, you're like, I wonder if I can do this with this object. If it makes sense, you probably can. Yeah. And in this, it's very much like that. Like if you find a stick, you want to pick that stick up and throw it at someone. You can, if you want to pick that stick up and light it on fire because there's fire near you and then throw it at someone and set them on fire, you can. Yeah. If you like, like there's, t- and, and the other and thing. And there are doing, repercussions for a lot of those things oh, yeah. that you do. Yeah. And there's, and there's like, the other thing about it is there's, um, they're using the Z axis a lot, which is a thing that is, is, is a, a big shift where height is a big, is a big advantage. If you can shoot down on someone as an archer or, or spellcaster, um, you get a damage. you get an, a bonus damage or bonus uh, accuracy. Accuracy is very important too. Yep. And just the the height differentials of things and getting up high 
is very important if you can with your range characters and like it makes everything way more dynamic and interesting and like tactics open you know the different forms of tactics open up because all of a sudden it's not just like fighters in the front casters in the back um you can like move around and like you can get up places like is like there a, a grid the, uh, there is sort of a grid. You can so this you can is like see the almost grid. like a strategy RPG. Then it's a, it's a turn based. Uh, yeah, it's a turn based a strategy RPG. Like it, your position yeah. matters, and it's a turn based. It's a turn based RPG that uses mo- movement strategy. Basically, <laughs> okay. Um, like it's it's not um, XCOM. Okay, but if you've played XCOM, a lot of the basic principles concepts will be familiar to yeah. you. Like it's, there's no cover really. I mean, there is cover, but like you're not. You know, it's, it's you're it's not hunkering down fantasy. like Dom. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're, yeah, you're not doing that. Yeah. But like, but I think you know, early on, the warlock like gets a teleport spell they can use as sort of a bonus action thing. So you can, as soon as the combat begins, you can pop up to a higher level. And she, uh, her, like my her, um, the thing I use the most her her go to spell is called uh, Eldritch Blast, um, which does uh, good damage, like a one. I think it's one d ten, which is not nothing. Yeah, and. Um, Here's and that's also uh, if you haven't played a Baldur's Gate since two, uh, one of the biggest um, changes to re- you know, modern D and D is these things called cantrips, which are spells or ability like basically spells that you can cast every turn and not run out of. Because oh. the way spells traditionally worked in D and D is you had to memorize them, but you know, the magic user whoever had to memorize that you had to know all these spells yeah. and then to use the spell, you had to choose, you had spell slots you could have memorized for the, for at any given time. Yeah. You had to pick which spells you wanted and then they had to sleep for eight hours <laughs> and then they had and, and to memorize them. And then you, you had those spells memorized and you could use those spells once per slot. So you're so early on, like a wizard, you could memorize like magic missile and like Melf's acid arrow, and then in a fight, you use them both, and you were out of magic, done, yeah. and you basically just had to hit people with your stick until <laughs> you got to sleep again. Yep. So in this, the way they've changed that post like three point five, is um, uh, so like Eldritch Blast. I think that's what it's called. Like I, I, I don't know the names of things so much in the modern stuff, but. So the Warlock's Eldritch Blast spell can be used every turn. She never runs out of it. That's her basic attack. Yeah. She's, she I can mean, stab they should with, have a basic attack. Right. <laughs> she can stab with things. She can use like well, most stuff like pretty well. But, all, but like her basic attack is that. Like you can zap people with this thing. And if you want to cast like fireball, you know, like the, the bigger big spells, spells then it costs those use are the same thing. They're memorized. You can only use them a certain amount of time, number of times. But the, the upshot is that your magic users still feel like magic users even when they you know run out of their big spells they, like they were archers, still yeah. they're still zapping stuff they're still yeah. you know you're not stuck there as kind of dead weight yep um so that's a great that the cantrip thing has been a great change just for D in general and when you play it in this game it's like oh yeah like, like this is what they needed like this is yep. what this you know it's and just as you know i replayed Baldur's gate 2 to part like half of it when the enhanced edition came out on consoles last year and like it's still fun the story's still good um but just the way this thing plays, there's a Baldur's lot of Gate three plays. There's so much there. There's so much interaction um, with with all the different things. Like you can just pick stuff up and use it however you want, and toss it around, or use it to like activate things. If you throw like like a rocket thing, like it's just crazy. And the interactions between things are great. Um, 
like you can other enemies can get in each other's way like there's always like weird things you can discover that like makes you feel like oh like, that aren't I've, in other rpgs let's right be honest. and like <laughs> you, like there's things that i the ways i got around fights in this game so far that i'm like that's not how anyone i know so, got through that fight right yeah like because i was like oh i wonder if i can throw this at this guy and he's like oh yeah and he turned around and they got stabbed in the back by the rogue or whatever uh you can also push people which is fast. Like you can use like different abilities, to, like push. Pe- like there's a mage hand ability in D and D that you can use to like manipulate objects, like with telekinesis. But this, but Baldur's Gate three lets you push people with it. Wow! And like like a force push. And so a bunch of people, including myself to some degree, um, one of the fun things to do is just push people off things, <laughs> like glyphs, off. Buildings. Like oh, there's an archer up on the up on the, like the little tower up there. <laughs> like just push them off. <laughs> Wonderful. Like sometimes it'll kill them, sometimes it just hurts them. But like yeah. it's it's like just and it's it's almost like you can play with the, it's like playing with the physics engine in a real time game. Almost it's like a toy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of there's a lot of creativity, I guess I'd say, in how you can play these fights out that just has never been there in a Baldur's Gate before, and it's so refreshing. It sounds uh, great. even it really even does. at this like kind of I mean, look, there's bugs everywhere. It's crashed like, like more times. Like, it's like there's rendering problems on on my card. Um, it chugs once in a while. I gotta restart it. It crashes to desktop. Like it's probably crashed like twenty times. Um, and look, it's early. It's early or first wave early access. You know that's just how it's gonna be. Like it's how much did it cost? Full price, sixty wow. bucks. Wow! But to you get the game. A third of the game is mostly broken. Yeah, but you're getting I mean, you get eventually the full you game. get it all. But um, so like you're but like, like guinea pig. Yeah, and absolutely. You're paying full price. But I was just too damn curious. Yeah. Um, and eventually you get it. And like, look, the the upshot is you paid full price. If you like playing the early access, cool. But you got to accept that like there's a lot of bugs. They're gonna do save wipes. Like you're gonna lose your characters. Um, you're not gonna be able to continue this into Act Two and Three when the final game comes out or anything like that. Like that, you are literally that's the, the part that sucks. You are literally that. But really uh, but, part, but as some people have said, and I kind of agree with them, um, it's so much fun. That is kind of fine. And like, I, you know, there is for once a real incentive to replay this game with new classes because they all play so different. It's not just like, it's not like the old games were like, okay, so the Ranger is just, he's like a fighter. He's like a magic user, but he shoots arrows or like, or the fighter is like a cleric, but the cleric can cast healing spell. It's not that simple. There's more to it. There's more to the, the, pretty clear, honestly. Yeah. There's more to the subclasses. It's, a lot of fun, and it's it's not like a. It also doesn't it doesn't push the specs too hard. It's not like a. Uh, it doesn't require a beast of a rig. Divinity but it looks, looks real good. Demanding. It's about the same as Divinity. Okay. Um. So like, it's not like next gen Baldur's Gate. I yeah. guarantee you, we'll see this game on the next gen platform. My last question is: Do you think we'll see these on console? Absolutely, console? no question whatsoever. Not just because Divinity was on all pla- all the cons was on Xbox and PS4, but. Uh, Larian has established a new account system that they have literally said Baldur's Gate 3 will support cross saves against all the plat- on all the platforms it's on. Well, so go. if you're not going to put it on other platforms, why do you do that? So clearly, well, I guess it is though. Those, those are coming. coming for a while. <laughs> I, th- I think it's there's a good likelihood it'll come at the same time as the PC final really? version. I think I think we'll be playing Baldur's Gate 3 on all three on PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC probably by next Christmas. Okay. Because they're saying a year, and I think they probably can make it. Because look, it's rough. There's bugs, yes, but like, but the game is here, right? It's here. I mean, what you're playing is like, oh, this is good. Like, this is fun. So my like, question is, should people jump in at sixty bucks, even though it is in the? It's only the third done, and it's buggy. 
I mean, I don't regret it. Okay. Um, just because I like these kinds of games and I like Larian stuff. I really like both original Sin games. Um, and I like D and D stuff. Somebody uh, should probably buy Larian. Yeah, I'm talking about Micro- videos all the time Mi- that are like right. Microsoft, for you want to you want to buy your next freaking purchase? Like Larry, if you want to really corner the Western RPG market, Larry you is, is your boy. You have the whole genre. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. They are the only, almost the only independent non-Japanese RPG maker like of note, other than CD Projekt Red, like really yeah. in the game right now. It's true. Um, and they are just getting better and better. Like uh, every game's been th- better. The first Divinity yeah. improved on drastically by Divinity yeah, Two. Absolutely, and and like look, like and I've liked them for a long time. Like I've been playing the Divinity games since back in you know, Divine Divinity. I actually love uh, Divinity Two Ego Draconis, um, which is. Uh, a weird sort of like action RPG, like like open world game that is like janky as all hell, but it's like so much fun. And eventually, you get to be able to transform into a dragon and fly around, and it's great. That should be so their tagline: to, janky but fun. Yeah, I mean, this, look, <laughs> the or, or original, original Sin games are not janky; no, they're, they're real not. solid. They got way better. They they they're so good. And I mean, this this is making a real play for best D and D game ever made. Mm. Um, I would wow, say even this early on. Words. And uh, just from like how well they capture what D and D feels like, and the character creation, sort of how the the combat, yeah. Because look, in, I mean, in a real D and D, in a tabletop D and D game, it's not even it's often not so much what the dice say, so much as like if the players can come up with a, an explanation that the DM buys. Well, buy. right? Yeah, that's and the a lot fun of playing D and D though. And a lot of times in this game's combat, to me, and even in some of the, you know, this, they're rolling dice in this game constantly. When you're like, whether you notice something, whether you succeed at something, you can even there's even you skill checks you where want. you there's even skill checks where you actually roll a like a d20 <laughs> wow. in on the screen. Like the, you, know, you click it and it rolls and you yeah. get like a number. It's it's great and it shows you like what you have to hit. It's 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 a lot of fun and they capture that tabletop experience. But there's been times where like it felt almost it was almost the same feeling where I'm like. I'm going to experiment with whether I can use this item and throw this thing and hit this guy this way, or whether like you know, I cast this on this guy and then hit him with this. Will that change? And I almost felt like I had argued the DM of the computer game <laughs> into awesome. letting me have it. That's awesome. You know, like that's like yeah. that kind of that kind of experience has sort of been captured in a way I don't think anyone else ever has in a D and D game. And look, between this and a year from now. And if Dark Alliance 3 makes it out, like we could be really looking at a D&D like renaissance in video games. I was games. just about to say, to like close this topic, D&D is like huge now. Yeah. It is going yeah. through a huge resurgence. Like you're yeah. seeing a lot of celebrities that are starting to play it and oh, like yeah. promote it. Like who's the guy that's married to uh, Var- Vergara or whatever her name is? Sofia from- Vergara? Yeah. What's that guy's um, name? He's like an actor. Yeah, I know. I can never remember He's his name. huge into D&D. He's yeah. also a Steelers and Penguins fan, I would add. But he is huge. Uh, Joe, Man- Joe, Joe Manganiello. Manganiello, yeah. yeah. Him. He is huge into D&D. If yeah. you go to his Instagram feed, that's all it is. Like, And because of him now, and like even my wife is like, what's up with D&D? Because she loves him. <laughs> Because he's a hunk and he's a Steelers fan, so she follows it, follows him on Instagram, and she's like, "What's up with this D and D stuff? Like, you don't even talk about D and D, and you're like an Uber nerd." <laughs> and I'm like, it's getting big again. People are starting to get back yeah. into it. Although now, obviously, with COVID, it's not the best thing. But you know, everything's going to come Although back. It's, no, it's, it's still pretty big because like you can play. Are people sitting there with their masks playing D and D. No, they're playing over Zoom. Virtually, yeah. Like the like virtual D and D streams are a big deal now. 
Like that, yeah. that, those are all, you know, all that stuff is critical role and all those things have all continued with that, with the virtual way. It, it works. What I, was I mean, you gotta, you gotta this trust game everybody. might end up being huge. I think it will be. And I think, uh, um, I, I mean, I think it also they're keeping pace with the growth of the tabletop game and like that, you know, they're finally doing something that, that does it justice, which we haven't seen a good D and D game in a very long time. Really, really long. Time. Um, yeah. And it would be great if this game, I mean, this game's shaping up real well, even this early. And it'd be great if dark Alliance three is kind of on par in terms of being like an action RPG Diablo like, like that. Series I had even forgotten about that, that it, that was coming. <laughs> I think a lot of people did, cause we haven't heard anything about yeah, it in a long, a long time, time, but yeah. Now, yep. I'm also hoping that it gives us a, uh, a remaster collection of Dark Alliance 1 and 2, because those games yeah. are trapped on the PS2. They are. So it would be nice to bring those forward. Absolutely. So there you go. That's Baldur's Gate 3 in Steam Early Access right now, but it's 60 bucks. But if you trust Matt, and you should on this genre, he says go for it. Yeah, if you are if you like Baldur's Gate, if you're like, if you, especially if you like Original Sin, and you have any interest in seeing like what those guys would do with D&D, the answer is awesome. Yeah. So even with all the bugs, even with all this, like I've been, I've been playing it like and I've started over a few times. I haven't gotten super far into Act One. It's not like I've finished Act One or anything. In part, sometimes I think there's a couple things like there's a goblin village fight that like getting through it isn't a matter of strategy and skill so much as will my computer crash or not. <laughs> like it's it's just well, I have sure another plan that we'll talk about in that vein here in a little bit. The one thing also I would say is if you're game. someone who can have their experience in a game ruined by technical problems early on and that would be something that would bother you even when the game is finished and out like you probably wouldn't want to do it because it is early access in the very true sense of that phrase okay but if you're willing if you can do that and like are willing to kind of be a guinea pig a little bit uh there's a lot of stuff to like here already okay there you go that's Baldur's gate three uh next up we're going to talk some inside baseball we don't do it that often on the show but some stuff happened this week that I thought was worth bringing up and at least discussing briefly. Um, so as you guys know, or maybe you don't even know, but about three weeks ago, uh, CNET was purchased from the original founders. And well, actually, CBS bought it from the original founders, and then it was purchased from CBS, which had just remerged with Viacom. And I guess it didn't want anything to do with CNET anymore. So it sold CNET basically to this private equity firm, for lack of a better phrase. And the private equity firm uh, said it was going to look at all CNS properties, and it didn't commit to no layoffs or anything right away, um, which is usually a bad sign. And as it turns out, it was a bad sign. And the new owner of CNET has basically laid off employees across all the CNET brands. But the one that we care about is GameSpot. Um, you guys probably know I worked there. It was my first real job in the industry um, right around the turn of the century was when I was there. So it's been like 20 years since I worked at GameSpot, and which is bonkers. Uh, and there's nobody left there that I worked with at this point. For a long time, there were a couple people that were still hanging on there, but they've all left. Unless you count the giant bomb guys um, who technically still work there. Um because they're owned by GameSpot, or, but are kind of their own entity. So anyway... They're all kind of owned by CBS, one way or the other. Yeah, um, but not anymore. That's the yeah. thing. So they're not protected by CBS anymore. They have a private owner, and the private owner has laid off people across all CNS brands, including GameSpot. And GameSpot took a pretty big cut. Um, some of the talent that's been on GameSpot literally since Sifted launched, as far as the people who are on camera uh, for a lot of their top tens and things like that, a lot of those people are gone. Um, and in many cases, that's the face of GameSpot. Those are the people that GameSpot fans associate with the brand. And now they're gone. 
Um, and so I started thinking about it, and I don't think this is. I think this is the beginning of something that could be bad. Um, and what's what's happening right now is that the ad market is completely annihilated. Annihilated. Uh, the the demands of advertisers right now are insane. And in fact, if you're a regular user of Sifted. Um, you may have noticed in the last week, week and a half, several gaming websites have either started running uh, pre-rolls that autoplay on their pages, and some of them have gone so far as to have um, ads that, that autoplay with audio. Um, they're moving their ad units around so that they're on your page longer. All this stuff they're doing because the ad market is completely destroyed. Um, and what we're seeing at GameSpot is going to be something that we're going to start seeing at a lot of internet properties. Now, we're insulated. We don't take a penny. I mean, we make, like, a pittance from YouTube um, from advertising. But we're supported 100% by you guys, by your contributions. So we're insulated from this crazy ad market. But unfortunately, for your favorite gaming websites, that is not the case. And... We've been talking for a while about how we thought the market would play out for enthusiast gaming websites and if there was a future for them with YouTube and influencers and things like that. And we always wondered what it might be that, for lack of a better phrase, took them down. And I hate to say it, but this just might be it. That is how bad the ad market is right now. Um, why would you want to advertise if nobody's going to go anyplace? So any advertisements for movies, tourism, locate, anything like that, it's gone. Um, any products that have folded over this amount of time, they're not advertising anymore. So the ad market is really depressed. GameSpot, to me, is probably just going to be kind of the first warning shot across the bow of something that could be happening, which is some of your favorite websites could be in extreme danger over the next six to eight months. Um, I don't know what the solution to that is. I don't know how you support them unless you're using Adblocker now and you can turn it off. That It might be too late, though. <laughs> it's the problem. Um, when you get to this point where, and this didn't just happen. Obviously, this pandemic's been going on now for six or seven months and it just now got to this point. And that's because there were orders at first. And those orders had to go through. And a lot of times orders for, for ad runs, you sign those contracts a month, two months before the ads actually run. So it took a while for that stuff to work out. But And beyond the ads, the other problem, not just for GameSpot, but for pretty much every website, is that where they make the chunk of their money is from sponsorships. Um, the ads that run before their videos or the little banner ads that are all over their website, you don't make crap for money off of those. Where you make your money is sponsorship. So um, EA comes to you and they're like, we want to do a big package around Madden or whatever. And you do like a, a five video feature thing that runs for like six weeks leading up to the launch of Madden. You get paid big money for that stuff. But what you get paid the big money for is event sponsorship. So if you're doing E3 or Tokyo Game Show or Comic-Con or PAG or any of that, that's where you make your big money. Like we would make, we would knock down like a half a million dollar deal to 
to basically surround the experience for E3. Like you get, you know, you get like your logos down the side of our E3 page or you get like mentions in the bumps before every video, stuff like that. That's where you make your big money. And the problem is these events are not happening. So you can't have big sponsorship around these events. This is why you saw so many sites scrambling to create replacement E3 events. That's why we went from is there going to be an E3 to, holy crap, like 10 different websites are doing their own E3 now. The reason that happened was because they lost, at least at game trailers, the money that we made at E3 from sponsorship literally represented like 30% of our revenue for the year. So you figure all these websites lost all that revenue. It, it, at least in my case, it was a third of our revenue for the whole year, just from E3, just that one event. Then you start talking about the depressed ad market We could have like an internet apocalypse coming up real soon. And either what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of sites folding or you're going to see a lot of sites getting gobbled up for like nothing and then rolled into this huge conglomerate. It's just the way telecommunications are going right now. Everyone's merging together and now you have like three choices. I would not be surprised if you start to see a lot of digital properties start to get either sold, folded, purchased, evolved huge staff cuts. I mean, we're at like an internet apocalypse right now that was started way back in 2000 when the CPM for internet advertising fell through the floor during the dot-com crash. And now the adver- there's not enough people watching ads. There's not enough advertisers who want to pay to run ads for you to survive. So IGN's big enough. I think it'll be okay. Um, and it has its fingers in so many different pies as far as like entertainment and tech and other stuff that it will probably be okay. But a lot of these smaller guys are going to be in deep, deep trouble. And you're already and who's left? Well, you have like the whole the whole future suite of websites. You got mm-hmm. Ra- Games Radar. You got US Gamer. You got Eurogamer. Um, a lot of the smaller independent guys like the VG Twenty Four Sevens, the Gamatsu's. Um, stuff like that, they're in, they're going to be in deep trouble, man, because those sites aren't even getting sponsorships. They rely a hundred percent on ads, and you already have you know the tech savvy gaming audience. They all have ad blocker already. You're fighting an uphill battle, so we can see some really bad stuff coming down the pipe here in the next few months. And I just think that GameSpot is kind of the first shot across the bow. Um, if a big boy like that can be in the position it's in. Imagine what some of the guys who aren't quite as big uh, or what, what they're going to have to deal with here in the new future, near future. So why are we talking about this? I guess what I'm, what I'm doing is try to find ways to support the stuff that you love because I know right now that a lot of the stuff that you love is not able to support itself. I don't even know if you could have done anything to help GameSpot. Like they don't have a Patreon or someplace you can just go and like say, here's 25 bucks. Like I don't want you guys to go away. Um, they are locked into this advertising revenue model, um, which was why we made Sifted this way. I obviously had dealt with the advertising model. I could see where it was headed, and I was like, there's no way we'll survive on ads, and I would have been right. So, um, again, coming from a lot of these publications, having worked at a lot of them, I wish all these people the best, luck, the best of luck because I we need them. We need these publications. We need publications where people have peers looking over their shoulder, where they have an editorial uh, some some tor- some type of managerial editorial position who is watching what they do, making sure that they're not stepping out of line. Um, it would be really bad if all we had were YouTubers and influencers. So if there is a way you can support these sites, like turn off your ad blocker. When you're on Sifted, turn off your ad blocker. 
uh, because you're going to be going to all those sites within 20 minutes while you're unsifted. Turn it off. Support these guys because if you don't, I mean, the funny part is there may not be a sifted. If these websites don't exist, there is no sifted because we're a curation site. Um, So it's a very interesting time that I was surprised took this long to get here because I really thought we'd start seeing this kind of stuff in the first couple months. But I think really what it was is that they had all those orders for that advertising and now they're all running out. They don't have the sponsorships to fill in the holes and they're going to be in deep crap. Yeah, well, the pandemic has jump-started a lot of stuff like that. Like, you see this, I mean, Disney reorganized to focus on streaming simultaneous releases with theatrical, which, you know, that was 10 years out, if that, at the beginning of this year, and now we're here. So I think there's a lot of stuff like that has been, yeah, a lot of stuff like that has been accelerated by, you know, crises tend to show the cracks in systems. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, I'm, I mean, I remember you talking about this same issue when you first joined Tech TV in like 2002. Yeah. And like, you know, it was a problem then already. It was. Yep. And it's only gotten worse as more people have discovered ad blockers. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons you were happy to have moved into television. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, it's funny that you remember that, Matt. I didn't even remember yeah. that, to be honest I remember with that. you. But you're right. I, I, well, I remember those conversations now about yeah. how I was like, Dude, this internet thing isn't going to last. Like, yeah. we can't survive on internet ads because, and that was right when the CPMs hit rock yeah. bottom. Well, because like I remember that because at the time, like you know, I was at I was at Tech TV, but like I was the gaming guy. You know, I was the game nerd, and I like I always wanted to work at like some place like GameStop, right. GameStop, or GameSpot, or like IGN or something. But I had ended up at this TV thing because I could do the TV thing, and I had the in over there. And then this guy from GameSpot comes over and he's just <laughs> he's like, like, dude, I'm so glad I got here. here. I'm all safe now. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, okay. Like, that's interesting. It, that's, But it ended up being true. Yeah, it was true. Yeah. I was a young guy then, but I could definitely see what was coming. And this is here we are. Yeah. Um, and we, after that, I was, ne- I was never like jealous of that again. I was like, no, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to know. I'm glad to have here with like the standard advertising model and to be learning this skill that does not require video games for me to do it. Yeah, that will transcend. That was the other thing I was appreciative of was learning television production, something that transcends whatever it is that you like. It's like I can always produce a segment about anything and I always Mm -hmm. will be able to because I work there. So, yeah, it was I knew it was a big deal when I went into TV from the Internet and that. That time in particular, that was 2000 or 2001. Literally, that was right after the pop. And all the ad orders started rolling in again. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not giving you those old CPMs. We have a new idea. And they have stuck ever since. And it has made making profitable websites almost impossible. Um, And now, like you said, there's like this one thing that just kind of pushes you over the tipping point. And this is it. So... If you can find a way to support your favorite websites, turn off your freaking ad blockers, people. It can make a difference. If a million people a day that go to a website turn off their ad blockers, that website will probably survive. So um, it, you're going to have to make some tough decisions here. How much do you really love these these places, these publications that you've been going to in some cases for two decades? Um, if you've been going to GameSpot for two decades, turn off your freaking ad blocker because they've given it to you. They've given your money's worth for two decades. Help them. Um, that's all we can do. That's where we are. Like, I feel like we've gotten to a point with this whole coronavirus society where I'm just trying to help other people stay afloat, whether it is like a family that we know that lost their jobs and have kids and they don't have food and we're like helping them buy gross, whatever I can do. I just feel like I'm constantly just 
these, this needs help. These people need help. This this thing that I love needs help. Um, we're, I think we're all doing it. We're all just trying to figure out how we can help others with our resources, whatever we have that mm. we can help them with. Um, it's and- weird how things like crop up. Like I bought a whole bunch of mead the last week because like one of the mead breweries that normally makes all its money from Renfair stuff, which I go to some of the Renfair yeah. things like was like, Hey, we can't do that this year because there are no Renfairs. Like we need help. Can you please, everybody can you please buy some mead for it from us? I'm like, Sure. I don't drink mead. Like, yeah. I don't, I get, except when I'm at a Ren Fair, I don't drink alcohol when I'm alone. Like I haven't drunk anything in months. Right. But like I bought it because I'm like these I like these guys. Their, their booth is a lot of fun every year. And I want to like make sure they're there when the world comes back. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that's that is definitely a thing that I think a lot of people, at least if you're able to you should be trying to actively help, even if it's just getting takeout from your local restaurants. And tipping when you get the takeout. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I'm wearing a shirt right now that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So all my friends um, in Philadelphia, they're all DJs, house music producers, or they throw big events, raves, festivals, whatever you want to call them, depending on how old you are. If you're my age, they're raves. If you're <laughs> your age, they're festivals. Um, and they're just, they have no jobs. They're completely out of work. So some of them have, and they've been out of work all year. So some of them have been like doing streams where they put up like, you know, their PayPal link or whatever for donations. And like I, you know, I support all those. I'll go to them. There'll be like 20 people there. And like when it's over, like I'll call my my buddy and he'll be like, dude, we got like $40. Like <laughs> because when it's you're asking people to donate, they don't freaking donate. When you have to, when mm-hmm. they're forced to pay before they walk through the door of a club or a warehouse, they don't have a choice. So they're making no money. So I went to my buddy's website and I bought a bunch of t-shirts from his record label. Like I went and bought like his whole line of t-shirts in my size, all in different colors. I have four new shirts and I gave him a couple hundred bucks. I got something out of it and I'm trying to help him. However, I can this is where we are. I mean, I think that's where everybody should be right now. If you're the person who still has your job and you're still doing well financially, help other people. There are people out there that are really suffering, and we're about to see some of our brethren at GameSpot and maybe other websites go through the same thing. So be conscientious. Look, not everyone's as lucky as you. You're lucky if you still have your job. It's nothing you did. It's not because you're a genius. It's because you're lucky. Your industry that you work in, you're able to keep doing it. So think about that. Think about how lucky you've been and try to help others as much as you can. That's how I live my life, and I lay down at bed at night, and I sleep like a baby. So... GameSpot, Godspeed to you guys. You are my OG publication. I came from you guys. Like, you are my, my origin. Uh, so I'm really rooting for you. I would not want a world where GameSpot goes away. But some of the verbiage coming from that that uh, company that bought them, it doesn't sound good, mm-hmm. Matt. Like, yeah, I was a little shocked by some of the people that got laid off. Yeah. Um, I mean, they cut it, to the know, bone. When it happened, the, when it happened like, Twitter, you know, Twitter kind of lit up with, like, all people in my feed saying, like, hey, I, I, I was let go and anybody has it. And like sometimes I look at some of these people, I'm like, how are they going to do what they do without them? Like, the, like they cut people that felt essential to me. Yeah, and it makes me wonder what the plan is. The, and like the plan seems to be to just slowly collapse like a flan in a cupboard. That's what it looks like to me. Um, but like I said, turn off your ad blocker and show that new the new owners of Gamespot that you guys care and that a lot of people care about that website. I've been. Going to that website for like twenty some years. At least. <laughs> it's insane. To th- I mean, I when I was initially going dot com and whatever. Yeah, well, I'm, I remember when it was you know I, initially Video when I was going spot. to 
going to try to write for tech TV was because they were changing over from GameSpot TV. Like yeah. that's what, yeah. that's what Adam started on was GameSpot TV was going to because they were owned by Ziv Davis and it was ZDTV and they were doing video at video reviews out of GameSpot, GameStop's spots. That's right. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it was doing video reviews out of GameSpot's uh, written reviews. Like yeah. that's literally what it was. And then when they got bought, they needed people to write the written reviews. And that's what I started doing. Yep. But like, yeah. that was how it started. Like that all, all of that company, you know, everything, all G4, all that's, you know, like what G4 became because when we got bought by, by Comcast, tech TV, all that stuff comes out of GameSpot. Yep. So it's very discouraging to see. And I think this is just one, the first story of more to come. Um, but let's head this off at the pass and let's turn off ad blockers and let's support the people who have been giving us great content for a long, long time. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla for what I believe will be the last time before we talk about the final build of the game. Uh, Ubisoft, up. do you think so, Matt? Or do you think we'll talk about it again? <laughs> I think we might talk about it one more time. Well, I don't it's know if you noticed, but like some of the like previews, a month left. Some of the previews that went up this week were like labeled like final preview or whatever. So I don't know if you yeah, saw that. Yeah, but I bet there'd be like one final something. Maybe we won't talk be. about it, but I bet there'd be like one final trailer or something. Well, the other thing I would say. I is, didn't look at too much of this because it's getting to the point where I'm like, I don't want to know some of that. Like it's 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 like it's cyberpunk. It's getting very it's, granular at this yeah. point. It, they're running out of stuff to talk about. Like they've run like, out of stuff. I also haven't, like this morning, like, yesterday or this morning like miles morales put up like the first boss fight i'm like i don't want to see that like game informer like, you, you got me i'm good yeah game you're informer good. had the exclusive on it and it's yeah, up on Sunday if you want to watch it but i it's it, i mean it's really cool but it's at the same time like game informer you have to show me every costume in the game <laughs> like it's just like really no surprises they okay. gotta get their money's worth for their cover story yeah, no, I mean, I, game informer game informer's got their own shit they gotta deal with yeah, I, exactly I, you know. I mean they're living in a whole other world that's yeah. in danger they just lost andy mack their eic from the past like 15 yep. years Bad stuff going on in games journalism. Although right now. Andy, Ma I mean, it doesn't matter right now because the pandemic. But Andy Mac lives in L.A. now. We can, we can see Andy Mac. That'd be great. Yeah, which we haven't. He's been here three months now, and I still haven't seen him. So <laughs> welcome. Because well, no one can see anybody. <laughs> no one's seen anyone. It's insane. Uh, but anyway, so they are. Look, they have reached the the law of diminishing returns with Valhalla at this point. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of big stuff to talk about, but they are talking about little stuff. And if you're like Matt and you don't want to know the nitty gritty details, then uh, maybe you want to use the YouTube version of this to jump ahead to the next topic because there's no spoilers in what we're going to say, but there are some nitty gritty details that weren't divulged. Yeah, because they talked about like the settlements and stuff. A it's lot. just like game. It's game systems, basically. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it, and that is is kind of the granular parts of games that some people don't want to know much about, but we're going to talk about it. So <laughs> as Matt said, uh, the settlements were a big push and it's, it's been a while since I've really enjoyed this feature in an Assassin's Creed game, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's disappeared and come back and disappeared and come back. Uh, this, this time it sounds like they're doing it right. Um, mm -hmm. When was the last time you enjoyed this in an Assassin's Creed game? And I bet like we're the territory say the same taking game. stuff. Yeah. Like, God, what was the last one that had it? Like Unity? Did was it, it a Syndicate? I don't remember. What about I like can't... the building your like your homestead and all that stuff, though? Mm, I mean, <sighs> the last time I really enjoyed it, I think was like, was it Brotherhood? Brotherhood was the one that did it the best, I think. I, I, I can't remember much that stuck with me from pre game, subsequent games. Well, they're bringing it back for Valhalla. And not only are they bringing it back, I think they're bringing it back in what will probably be the best form yet. 
Um, so you have your hub, your hub little town or whatever, hamlet, whatever you want to call it. Um, but as you make progress through the game, you earn XP, and then that XP gives you the ability to unlock and build brand new parts of your settlement. Um, let's see. They went through a list of some of the stuff that you can build. Um, look at my notes here. I mean, I'm a sucker for building a base. I don't like. I don't necessarily like the kind of the Skyrim Fallout version of like you got to build every wall and but I like having a home base that you upgrade and and you start seeing buildings being constructed yeah. and it grows. I love that too. It, it gives you a great sense of accomplishment. I think it it gives some purpose to XP as well in a lot of yeah. cases. A lot of like times, especially in Assassin's Creed, like those numbers, I just are like whatever. Mm. But with when you use them to build something back at your home base, I think it has a little more importance. Yeah, it's like, and also it's like the Suikoden thing. Like that's always what I liked was like you build the castle up, you add rooms, you add places, you add characters, and like as as you go through the game, it feels more and more like a like kind of a bustling place yeah. where everybody everybody hangs out. It feels cool. Assassin's Creed Three kind of had that a little bit. The homestead, you could upgrade the homestead with things. I think I remember that. Yep, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it got bloated there. That's where it I did. thought they, they had gone I mean, over the line a little bit. I don't think they made a single correct decision in Assassin's Creed yeah, 3. Really don't don't get game. me wrong. I really don't <laughs> like that game. Um, uh, but it's a cool element that was there in the earlier part of the series. It's nice, yeah, it's nice to see them bringing, you know, they seem to be sort of reintroducing elements of the series slowly in this reinvented version. You know, we're getting this back. We're getting blends back with yep. the blend kills. Yeah, blending and in, like walking. Assa- assassinations are coming back. Yeah. That was a big part which, uh, of the push. Which, to be fair, I guess, like, the previous two settings didn't have the population density necessarily. But, That's like, true. you know, it, it, it's interesting to go back to Unity because I had Unity installed. I went back to look at that because we're I was talking with one of my friends about, like, the how confusing the map on that is because it's so dense with icons yep. everywhere. And I looked, I loaded it up on the Xbox. I'm actually interested to see it because apparently on the Xbox Series X, it runs at 60 frames a second, like Finally. real well. Like, like, <laughs> it, like runs how it's supposed to After run. What, six um, years or whatever. But like that game is so different. And it's, it, but it's like, it's so crowded and it's, you're constantly walking through crowds and pushing your way through people. And like, you can kill people and no one even notices it happened yeah, until like three seconds later. Walking, yeah. Like it's it. real good. Like yeah. it's, it's so different from what we have now. And it's nice to see them sort of starting to bring all that back. And this is another element that I missed from the good old days. Like, cause brotherhood, I don't think they've ever equaled brotherhood again. I don't either. I think um, it's the best game in the series still I same on a number but, of fronts, to be honest. Yeah. With you. Yeah. But I think the more they can take from that and sort of reinvent for the modern version of the games, I think the more I'm happy with it. And this looks, this sounds real good. Yep. I'm so into it. The, I found my notes. The settlements, uh, or the settlement, the things that you can eventually construct a tattooist. Interesting. That makes sense, Vikings. Yep. A weapons builder slash blacksmith. A shipyard to build and improve your ships. And then there is a building called the Hidden Ones Bureau, uh, where you take mm. on quests for the Order of the Ancient of the ancients so already this week they're like oh yeah the 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 mythos of assassin's creed is in here and it's a big freaking deal mm-hmm. uh, they also as i said earlier they showed off assassinations which have just kind of fallen by the wayside over the last whatever um and then there are tons of things you can do back at your settlement you can get drunk you can play dice you can throw a feast and everyone shows up for your feast um and then your settlement also ties into choice, which was another kind of bullet point that Ubisoft emphasized this week with the promotion. Um, a lot of the stuff that you do inside your settlement when you deal with the different shops and things 
it sets off completely different story arcs um, that a lot of people may not experience. Um, if I don't do a lot of work or get a lot of work done at the blacksmith, and you do, you may find some crazy hidden story arc path working with the blacksmith that you go down that I don't even know exists. The short of it is, what I've gathered from it, is that the questing in this game is treading a lot more closely to what we've seen in games like The Witcher 3, where side quests are something special, unique, uh, they're given as much attention as the primary quests, and they're interesting, uh, which is something that a lot of side quests fail to be. So, mm-hmm. Having replayed some of Watch Dogs 2 this week, I can confirm that that is a problem. It in is some a problem. Games. It's been a problem with all Ubisoft's games for a really long yeah. time, and to me, it's something that CD Projekt Red does better than pretty much everyone else that makes RPGs. So, yeah, uh, and There good. is a lot of Witcher 3 influence on this one, you can tell, so I'm that makes sense. I'm happy about that. Yep. Um, also, your settlement gets targeted by enemy factions, so they will just show up and just raid your your settlement, and you have to be prepared. You could get caught off guard. You could have people out because the other part of this is you you raise like an army that goes on your boat with you and will go out and fight with you. Another thing that's come and gone from Assassin's Creed through the years is kind of building your team of assassins. That comes back in this game. Uh, they'll go on your boat with you, and they'll head on to land and fight with you. Um, that should add some nice strategy to the combat, um, but also to the choice. Again, all this stuff ends up branching out to give you more opportunity to shape the quest to how you want it to be. Um, they said that choice is woven through every facet of the game. said you'll uncover new stories and abilities in unlikely places. Uh, for instance, you can go to Asgard. Did you see this, Matt? No. Yeah, you can go to Asgard in this game. It's like this alternate... They don't explain how it works... But it's like this alternate reality that eventually you're able to go to, and it is like a part of the world. It's like you go there, and it's there's quests, and there's things that you have to do there like it's any other part of England that you're playing in the quote-unquote real world. Um, uh, there's seven parts of England, and as Matt was alluding to earlier, a big part of the game is taking over each one of those. And after, as you take over a territory, uh, a bunch of sort of domino effects end up happening um, you end up getting, again, more quest lines, but also you end up getting kind of bonus XP as you start stacking the territories together, and if they border each other, it helps with, like, the diplomacy between those territories. There's all kinds of depth just to the settlements. I mean, that's why they basically gave a whole week of promotion just to it, because there's that much to them. Um, what else? Let's see, um... So you, do, you don't usually use, actually use XP to upgrade the settlement. You use the resources that you find out mm. in the world. But, of course, as part of collecting that settlement, then you also earn XP. But I, I guess want, I was also thinking, like, I, I guess technically the, the ships in Black Flag and Rogue count. Like, that was, that was satisfying, was upgrading. The, the, you didn't get to do fun home-based stuff, like throw parties or anything. But, like, that constant sort of progression of upgrading yeah. your home base kind of applies to that, too. Absolutely. Um, the the army invasion stuff from because like that was also the gratifying thing about the ships in those games was that it improved your ability to to you know combat threats. Yeah. Um. So that element that's a good element to put in the settlement thing here too. Yeah, you got a shipyard where you can build your mm-hmm. own ships and customize them, and obviously cultivate yeah. a crew to cruise along with you in the ship. It like that's a really good together. thing. To, that's a really good thing to to kind of really focus on. I think for them because the, the thing I always go back to about liking about Brotherhood is the feeling of 
having a brotherhood, but having like that, that yeah. team, like, part of like being able to hit that you. button and have Etsy just go like that and like all these guys jump in and do their shit. Like, it, yeah, I didn't feel like, alone. Like, yeah, it like never, a lot of they never really Assassin's recaptured Creed, that again. Yeah, I feel like a one man army in Assassin's Creed a lot of times. Like, yeah. I feel like it's me against everybody else. And Brotherhood made me feel like I was a part of a team that we were mm-hmm. working together towards the same goal. I prefer that in games. I know some people may not, but I do. Yeah, personally. I like it back. I mean, I think you're you know a one you're a one woman army as Cassandra in Odyssey, and that's cool. But like Assassin's Creed can also be more than that. Yes, so absolutely. I like I like to see them go in different directions with it. Yep. Uh, the other thing too is that each of the kingdoms in England has their own plot lines and their own characters. They're all kind of self-contained. So. You take over one, you go to the next one, and you meet this whole new group of people with their own concerns, their own problems, Mm -hmm. their own issues with their neighbors that they're asking you to solve. Take that one over, stack it, move on to the next one. And that's kind of how the game Mm -hmm. progresses. Um, how do you and you know what that, that remind? Well, you know what that reminds me of is how, like, at a certain point in The Witcher Three, you went to uh, Skellige and realized that oh, there's a whole other <laughs> World, everything basically. here. Yeah. You know, like it's a whole yeah. other political system. There's a whole other group of people that have shit they want me to do. There's a whole extra side of the story over here that's kind of almost unrelated to the story back home. But I gotta fix. I gotta figure all this out so they'll join me so I can have, you know, like. It sounds like they really are taking a lot of cues from that and how the story can kind of unfold organically and matter depending on region. And there's a little bit of that in Odyssey, but this sounds way more robust and crafted. Well, the good news, too, is that they've found a very easy way to wrangle it all. There's just a uh, your clan, and that's what your mm-hmm. your allies are called. Your clan has a an intel gatherer who has who basically is just a map screen that lets you go and look at all the different regions and kind of plot out your attack. Uh, and things like that. So, again, the systems are tying into one another to help propel each each of them forward, um, which is what the best games do, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but you forge alliances with other territories before you've even taken them over. Um, that unlocks new story arcs. Obviously, if you're, if you're an ally of one territory and an enemy of another one, the ally's going to come to you if he has a problem with them. There's just a lot of opportunity for the game to kind of open up and and in some cases be what I think Assassin's Creed should be and what it hasn't been, in my opinion, the last couple entries. Um, and then the final thing that they touched on was combat, basically. We know a good bit about that already. Uh, there's charging maneuvers, two-handed finishers. We've talked about the axe before. Um, uh, as you build up your armies, you can use them to flank and interrupt the enemies um, or at least distract them so you can come in and flank. Uh, which is great. That adds some strategy to the combat. Um, if you For new perks and abilities, you get those from books. And special abilities, you get those from books. Hmm. Um, and there's... Uh, I'm a little surprised your character can read. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good point, actually. <laughs> um, and then you, uh, you can upgrade tiers of that to get exotic gear and combat options. And in that vein, Excalibur is in the game. The legendary mm. sword is somehow making its way into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I was not aware that King Arthur and that whole mythological thing was set around the Vikings. Is that true? I mean, King, uh, King Arthur stuff is set like way old, like 1100, like okay. back way, way, way back then. So like okay. that's the, the irony of the King Arthur thing is that like, all the stuff we imagined about King Arthur with the plate metal and the and the horses with the like none of that existed 
until you know we that's all late medieval period stuff and king arthur was like way before all that i mean king arthur probably didn't exist anyway uh, it's just sort of an origin myth of of the of the area but like yeah this is about when that would be happening if okay. it actually happened so it actually like, lines up yeah, and remember they have the first, you know, they have the first civilization stuff right, here. It's like, right. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Excalibur is a relic of of them. Um, I'm sure Asgard is some like secret buried place that they you find that's it actually one like of their old cities or like something, a, like a sayer or something, and they transport yeah. you there. They only showed like a very quick clip of it they're like and Asgard, yeah. and then you see well, Asgard, you're like, oh wow, okay. Well, it's just like how like. Um, you know, like how Atlantis can right. exist in Odyssey or yeah. or the underworld in uh, in in That's the beauty Odyssey. of sci-fi, man. It lets you do whatever the hell you yeah. want. Yeah, well, also, <laughs> also the beauty of like kind of the assassin. People make fun of the Assassin's Creed story, but like the 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 animus thing, the future thing, and the use of like the the ancient like kind of ancient aliens thing like lets you do anything you want like it yeah. gets the you know every, all the mythological stuff can be real, all the gods can be real. You can also be like a historical recreation. You can you kind of get you kind of get everything like it's, it's a really smart way to do it. Even if, even if every once in a while you have to pop out of the animus and watch boring people talk about <laughs> things you don't care about for about 10 minutes, you know, it's, yeah. it's good enough. Like honestly, you came out of the animus, what, like four times all across all <laughs> right. of Odyssey. Like yeah. that, yeah, that's fine. Like I'll, yeah. I can deal with that. Well, I'll just say this. I am really, really excited for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, am. I, I also just want to see how it lines up to our, uh, our animated prediction. Yeah, way more exactly. Way more excited for that than I was for Odyssey. Um, way more for me. Somewhat. Like I don't know. Like I'm. I think this feels like it's moving forward. I mean, I feel like Odyssey was like taking what Origins did and sort of gelling it better. This feels like more of a step forward in a lot of ways. It feels so like, like it's yeah, taking the, so. the old stuff and the new stuff and incorporating it together mm -hmm. into one compelling game. Yeah. Um, and if that's the I, case, I honestly go back and forth between this and Watch Dogs Legion as sort of the thing I'm most excited because they're very different takes on sort of the Ubisoft formula. formula yeah, um, there's it seems to be more, more of a handcrafted Valhalla for sure. I'm real. I'm more excited about the idea of Legion, but I feel like Valhalla is going to be the better game. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> so mm. it, it it definitely Watch Dogs will be more interesting. I think Valhalla. It's gonna be the one that sucks me in. I feel, I feel like Valhalla. I feel like I'll finish Valhalla. I feel like Watch Dogs Legion. I might not finish until I come back to it again yeah. at some point. I have a you know what I mean? When we talk about it on Game Face. I'll be. I will have finished Valhalla, and I will probably will be like twelve hours, fifteen hours into Legion when we talk about it. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Uh, but I anyway, feel like I'm, I feel like we're gonna like figure out all of Legion's tricks sooner. Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I feel like the systems in, in Watch Dogs are going to be easier to sort of exploit and sort of not figure out. Not as many out, okay, hidden arcs, well, not as yeah, much Yeah, like if I do this, is this going to happen? And I'll get yeah. this character, he can do this, this, or this, and that's about it. And so I can do that and this, this, and this, and this thing. I feel like you're going to see how the puzzle fits together in Legion way easier than Valhalla. Well, I don't I'm know why I think both. that. But, I think both oh, games yeah. are going to be good. But Valhalla, for me, if I had to pick one, for sure. All and right. also, Valhalla's only only flaw is that I'm probably still going to be playing Miles Morales when it comes out. Well, then a lot of people are going to be that way for sure. I mean, that's just, just November, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited for it. I'm really pumped to be like, man, I'm sitting here playing Valhalla, but I got Miles Morales here too. Like, I'm, I'm and we got Demon Souls. Decision. Exactly. And even all of it. Yeah, I'm really pumped. Uh, it's time for our last topic of today's show. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back when they debuted the Xbox Series X for the first time. 
they showed a game called Second Extinction. It was basically Left 4 Dead with dinosaurs. And everybody at first thought it was an Xbox exclusive game. Pretty much as soon as the event ended, it came out that it was also coming to PC. And the crazy part is, it's available now for PC. It just released wow. into Steam Early Access yesterday. When I saw this on the rundown, I had to look it up. Oh, really? Had you, had you forgotten I what com- the game I was? I completely forgotten what it was. Oh, okay. Um, well, hopefully like for a second, remember. I'm like, is he, is, I was like, is he predicting another game crash? <laughs> like, what's going on? I, it, I didn't even know <laughs> if it was a crash title or something. Or coming was... back around. <laughs> no, it's a game. It's, it is Left 4 Dead. It's a four-player cooperative uh, first-person shooter that's just set on Earth after dinosaurs have taken mm. it back. Uh, there's really no story or cinematics. There are just kind of these static screens with voiceover and text that explain the setup. Um, but that's what it is. Dinosaurs have returned for some reason. Uh, they've pretty much run humanity off of Earth. And uh, we are, or you are, the last hope for humanity to save the Earth from the dino invasion. Um, and the way the game works is there is a campaign that you can play by yourself if you want to. However, I do not recommend it. The game, it is an early access, so I'm going to cut it some slack. But the game is not well balanced at all to play by yourself. In fact, I would argue it's pretty much impossible. So how it works is when you first boot it up, you, there is a campaign. You do have to kind of play through the, the stages linearly. Um, and as you complete each one, the next one unlocks. And, of course, as you play more or, or with other people online, you can get access to levels that you haven't really finished on your own through the single player. Um, but when you start, you choose the mission, and then it shows you the map. And the map is pretty freaking huge. I will say that. And it shows you kind of where your objective is. But then you can choose to to drop anywhere. So it starts, you're on a ship. It's all like a battle royale almost. You get in a pod. The pod shoots down to the planet's surface. You land, you get out, and then you start tracking towards your objectives. And <clears throat> there are dinosaurs everywhere. Not just some. Lots and lots and lots of dinosaurs. I mean... There were some points where I probably had two or three hundred. I'm not exaggerating, Matt. Two or three hundred dinosaurs hunting me at once. Um, there are only five different playable characters in the game. And right now they're all tropes. So you have the heavy with the chain gun. Then you have the dude with the grenade launcher. Then you have the character with the sniper rifle. Then you have the assault rifle. And then with each one of those characters also has sort of two specials, although one is more of like a buff, like here's a speed boost or here's like a defensive shield, and then the other one is like more offensive, what most people would consider like a special or a finisher. Um, So anyway, you choose your drop point, you drop down, you land, and then you start walking towards the waypoints. And there's voiceover between you and like an AI that's like telling you what's going on and what you need to do. Um, But basically, you just trek towards the waypoints, and along the way, you come across dinosaurs, and you got to kill them. There's no running from them. There's no hiding from them. I tried. I I tried to not get in fights because it just becomes completely overwhelming. And I'll be honest with you. I think the way the game is right now, I don't think you could finish it playing by yourself. I, I just don't think it's possible because the other part about it is there may be like 200 dinosaurs following after you, but they're freaking smart. So I got overwhelmed at one point, and I ran away, and I ran into this little crawl space in between a fence and the back of a building. And there's probably a foot and a half between the fence and, and the wall. And the dinosaurs can't get in there. They're, like, trying to charge in, but they're getting stuck on the fence or whatever. I'm basically trying to cheese it. 
Um, so eventually, like, the AI gives up and they all walk away, except for one dinosaur. And it's walking up on this little, like, plank that's, like, up above me. And so I have my gun scoped in, and I'm trying to, like, go around the pole to get the shot. And as soon as I would do that, the dinosaur would move to the other side of the pole. And it turned into this thing where I'm going, and, like, I couldn't shoot him. I had to run out and shoot. Mm. So multiply that by, like, 200, and you can Clever see. Clever girls. What would you say? Clever girls. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, from Jurassic Park. But anyway, it was overwhelming. I could not play it by myself. Um, the other problem is that it is an early access game, and it has major – actually, it has a major issue. And some people have had the problem. Some people haven't. Of course I had it because I'm Shane Satterfield, and that's how my life works. And basically the bug is if a dinosaur leaps at you and lands the attack, the screen just goes black. <laughs> And stays black. So it became, like, I had already committed to it being in the show. I was like, this is one of the big games we need to talk about. I got to play it. It became a nightmare of playing (laughs) until an enemy leapt at my face and it turned black, quitting the game, rebooting, starting over, and playing again until the screen went black. And it's a known issue. Uh, There are posts in their community about it. The fix that they have shared does not work. They're like, delete this. Basically, your save file is what they tell you to delete. I deleted that. I had to start the game all over again with all starting with my gear and unlocks all over again. Didn't change the problem. So it was a nightmare playing through this so I could tell you guys about it. But I will say this. When I started playing it with other people online, it became a really good time. Now, one thing I will say that separates it from Left 4 Dead is there's no safe houses. So this isn't one of those games where you're in a safe house. You're in there, you're loading up, you're buying all your weapons, you go out, you fight to the next safe house where you do the same thing. That's not how this game works. You you have a mission to accomplish. Once you accomplish the mission, you fight your way to a ship, and then you leave the planet and take off. Um, so it's not this continuous thing that you keep playing. It's kind of disjointed a little bit. But on the positive tip of that, if you're someone who just wants to play specific levels, um, then you're not kind of trapped in this like linear progression through the game if you don't want to be. Um, the weapons themselves are pretty generic. I mean, they're your basic, like, assault rifle, shotgun, uh, SMG, grenade launcher, pretty typical armaments. But your specials are more supernatural, for lack of a better word. Like, one of one of the characters has, like, um, this, like, lightning storm that comes up from the ground and hits, like, a big area of effect all around them. Um, I'll say this, the supers in this are far more interesting than the supers in G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'll put it to you that way. Um, but again, I still start kept having the problems of the screen going black. Like, I get in the game with, like, three people. We start trudging through it. I think I only managed to finish, like, two missions total between playing by myself and playing with other people. Um, and even chatting with the folks who were on my squad with me, they were saying that some of them were having the same problem. So... Looks like they may have jumped the gun a little bit on early access. It's hard to believe that they couldn't have caught this because literally the first time I played it, it happened. And then I Googled it and up came the results from everybody else having the same problem. So it's got issues. That it may, they may have let it out of the oven a little too early. But I'll tell you that what I have played so far of this game is a ton of fun and very addictive. The I also say this too. like You don't have to play a lot of the game to see... Like the really big and really scary dinosaurs. In fact, if you wander the wrong direction, 
they'll introduce themselves to you. And there's not much, a lot that you can do about it. So I'll say, like, you're constantly on edge in this game, like, because there's no safe houses and there's no safe place to go. Like, even one time, I just stopped and hit pause and started typing up, like, my notes about the game from what I had just played. And I started hearing over my shoulder, I'm getting attacked. So they had tracked me down and they had found me in this huge freaking map and were eating me. So. I, I think this is a pretty auspicious uh, early access release. Like a lot of them, it has bugs and it has some issues. But the time that I have been able to play, I've had a lot of fun with it. And everybody I was playing with was having a lot of fun with it too. Um, now, I did not get to play it enough to figure out if there are any kind of tag team tactics where, you know, my super combined with your super makes a super super or any kind of elemental stuff like Matt was talking about earlier where, like, one person could throw oil and the other lights them on fire. I haven't seen any of that type of stuff. Uh, but what I have played so far has been fun. The game looks really good. Obviously, I don't know what it's going to look like on consoles yet, but I'm playing it on PC, and it's pretty gorgeous, man. Like, with the first level that you play is a blizzard, and it literally gets to almost, like, whiteout conditions at some point, at some points, and it just it stays solid. It runs great. Um, I was impressed with it. Now... I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to be... I don't think it's supposed to be there for a launch of Series X, to be perfectly honest with you. And the fact that it's just now an early access for PC makes it hard for me to believe that it is going to be there at launch of Series X. But, you know, Microsoft has that early access pro- program too, and they could put it on there. And I think some people would be happy to play this game in early access um, because it is... It doesn't look like a last-gen game, I guess is the best way I could put it. I've only played it on PC. It doesn't look like it could run on a PS4 without a lot of work. Um, And so my anticipation is that it's going to look real good on Xbox Series X. So if you're a fan of games like Left 4 Dead, just cooperative third- or first-person shooters in general, you like dinosaurs, this is pretty much a no-brainer for you. Um, You can get it on Steam Early Access right now, or you can wait another month and a half, two months, and probably get it on Xbox Series X as well. Any questions? It's also an an Xbox One. um, Oh, it is? Yeah, that's the rule, apparently. Oh, I guess Um, it has to, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, there is no confirmation of a PlayStation release. Okay. So it is semi-exclusive to Microsoft platforms. Seems to be. (laughs) Um, But I had a lot of fun with it, even with all the annoyances and the hassles. Like, I was having so much fun that my screen would go black, I'd leave the game, I'd go through the process of booting it back up again and try it again, and it really didn't bother me all that much. I was having fun. The gun. It feels like something you'd probably want to catch before you release it into even early access. You would think. (laughs) Because that's a bad bug. And again... It was an isolated case, like a lot of my bugs are. For whatever yeah. reason, I am a bug magnet. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still boggling over the roll pitch thing on Squadrons, which still hasn't been fixed. Oh, I thought it was. That patch didn't no. fix it, huh? That patch added some some options, but it, I, if you put roll and pitch on the same stick, it's still you're still only getting half input. The good news, Matt, though, is that it does look like they are staying on the project for a little bit. We had said last That's week good. that we were worried that they were just going to abandon it. It does look like they're doing something to it, so there's hope at least, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and also I saw, um, I think it was, was Andy Mack, uh, formerly of Game Informer, who said on Twitter earlier this week um, yeah, that he's seen some of the other stuff Motive's working on right now, and we should all be very excited. Good. So uh looks good. Uh, what also, if they gave him the green light to share that? I don't know. I also, uh, Maybe that's no why specific. they hired him. They want him to be that outreach. Yeah. Also, uh, I did, as I, I mentioned it on um, the comments on last week's show, but like I did get all the mods and mod the living hell out of uh, X-Wing Alliance, and I've been playing that instead, um, which uh, I kind of, I actually like a little better. It's, That's pretty uh, much all you got to say. <laughs> if you're playing that old game instead of the one that just came out. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even like X-wing Alliance that much because it was sort of the tail end of everything. Um, but once you mod it all up and it looks, it looks like it looks like something that was maybe made in like 2010. Okay. Uh, you know, and like it looks really, it looks solid. And then there's some guy, one guy is remaking all of TIE Fighter and is about done with it, ready to release it like December, January. And it's going to work in, in the mod in X Wing Alliance. And I'm like, maybe I don't need. <laughs> maybe you new... don't need to keep working on it. No. Yeah. Okay. It's time for our QA. And as we have done for the last couple of weeks, uh, we went to sifted.net and put a link in the header for you guys to ask questions. And you guys delivered. In very short order. Uh, in fact, I don't know if we'll be able to get to all these, but we'll try. Uh, first, from Norix Nessie, uh, he or she asks, What would you like to see next? Another Star Wars Battlefront game, and this falls in line with what you just said, a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, or another Rogue Squadron game? Personally, I'd like to see something like the old canceled Star Wars 1313 game. What about you, Matt? Well, we are getting a Fallen Order sequel, so I'm not worried about that. Yep. Um,. I don't, I don't want any of those. He says, what do you want to see next? Next? Uh, well, I mean, next, I think we will. I don't know. I don't think we're going to. We know what we're going to see next. Um, I think Fallen Order is like one or two Star Wars games out from here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's probably yeah, Battlefront, isn't it? I Maybe if they if they're, if they want to make it, if they want to wade into that battlefield again, I guess. Um, You're punny. What I'd like to see is an open world action RPG where you play as a Jedi and and build your way up from like learner to like master like Padawan to master Padawan to master um set that in prequel times or high republic time I guess high republic's their big push right now whatever you want to do just let me play a Jedi fly around a galaxy run around thing and do basically Jedi Academy but it's like Assassin's Creed Valhalla agreed I that's what I would hope for as well that's what I would want more than anything else and I think Star Wars 1313 was kind of that Star Wars thirteen thirteen was more Uncharted. They were making yeah. an Uncharted game, and, and it was similar to Project what Project uh, Ragtag looked like. It was heading in that direction, but it also looked yeah. like Uncharted. So yeah, I, I think uh, Amy Hennig was making kind of uh, Han Solo. I, I still believe that the the character you saw walking out of that doorway in that five second clip they put out of her game, I still think that's young Han Solo. Yeah. I think she was doing a young Han Solo game. That, that clip that will live in infamy forever. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, next from Jay Lynn. Of all the stuff you guys collect, have you ever sold anything? What was the most valuable thing you sold? Do you keep all your old consoles? Um, I do keep most. I definitely keep all my old consoles, except for like I don't. I sell extras. Like I'll, I'll get. I got rid of my old PS4. Um, but I, I will never. I my old PS4 to Vincent. So, and that is I the will... only console that I've ever bought that I do not now own. Every yeah, other well, console never, I've ever um, bought, I still own it. I mean, I don't own the ones that broke, but I replaced them. I still have the ones um, that are broken. I, I don't the, know why. Uh, the, I, I never get rid of hardware. That's the thing. Like my like, GameCube has a disc read error. I still have it. I'm always going, I, I'll get rid of it if it doesn't work. But I, I always want a working version of every console I've had because I want to be able to play whatever I want on it. Yeah. Um, I've sold a lot more uh, like action figure collectible Lego stuff than I have games. Games I tend to keep. Yeah, I don't sell any of my game collectible stuff. I've not sold any of it. Uh, obviously, you've watched Closet Raiders on Sifted HQ, so you've seen a lot a lot of the stuff that I have that it actually does, a lot of it does have some pretty good value to it. Um, but I've just never really thought about selling it. I'm, I'm not to the point where I really need the money. I'm not ready to retire. So game stuff, no. Um, I have, however, been over the last couple years selling some of my house records. Um, one, because they're just a nightmare to move, and I'm just sick of it. Two, because 
a lot of I've been buying house records since like 1992. That's pretty much when the genre started. Um, a lot of the tracks from back then are terrible. Um, it was when they were just figuring out how to make electronic music. And so the tracks are, they all use like the same drum machine. A lot of them use the same keyboard. So the sounds are the same. I don't want to listen to them ever again, but those records are worth a lot of money. Um, and particularly if they were very well taken care of, which a lot of my records have been. Uh, so I've been selling some of my very rare house records on a website called Discogs, uh, which is one of the only places you can sell them. I've sold some on eBay and some I've just sold locally to local LA DJs, people that I know from the scene um, who maybe started DJing after me, but still want to have that cred of having those records from back then. I've been selling some stuff to them. Um, surprisingly, the value of some of this stuff has surprised me. I've been able to sell it for more than I thought. And I just, I don't want records anymore. I've been trying to digitize all those records and just create WAV files from them. Um, and that takes forever because you have to actually play the record and then record it on your computer and then clean up. The, it just, so anyway, I've been selling some of my old house records, uh, but otherwise I haven't sold really anything else. That's what I was trying to do with my dad's old 45s. That's why it's I, not worth it, dude. It's so why I stalled out on asshole. Pat Boone. Too much Pat Boone. Because yeah. you got to listen to all of it. You do. I mean, if you want to digitize, you have to listen to it one to one. And again, yep. these old records are not great. Like, I even stopped. Like, at first, when I started selling my records, I would digitize the record first. I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to make a great recording of this, and then I'll sell it. And I did that for the first, like, four months. And then I just got to, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have time to record this. I just want to get these out of here. So I literally probably have, like, 2,000 pounds of house vinyl. Um, and I need to get rid of it. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. Uh, next from Delfino. Saw recently a subject on Tomonobu Itagaki, the ex-boss of Team Ninja. I know Shane had the opportunity to be with Team Ninja for a whole week for a documentary a decade or so ago. Um, what is he like uh, as a leader? How do uh, the employees react to him? Okay, so... <laughs> I was intimidated by Itagaki when I first started working with him. Um, he's an intimidating guy. He doesn't take his sunglasses off. He doesn't talk much. When he does talk, he's pretty stern. He doesn't laugh much or smile much until you get to know him. But everyone who works with him treated him the way I treated him when I first met him. And they had been working with him for a long time. So I wouldn't say that I sensed fear from the employees at Team Ninja, but definitely a heaping helping of respect. Um, you could tell that he was the king. He was the top dog, and he was the last decision maker on everything. We'd try to do an interview with him, and people would just be coming in every 10 minutes asking him stuff, asking him stuff. Um, so he was the head honcho there. It seemed like most people liked him, but it also seemed like some people were kind of afraid of him. I did not get the idea that working at Team Ninja was a whole lot of fun during the day. But working for Team Ninja at night was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I guess you got to take the good with the bad. The most important thing that I could tell is that his employees respected him, without a doubt. They looked up to him. They respected his decision-making on their games. Uh, you get to see it in their eyes. So um, I think he's a good leader, honestly. I mean, you want respect from your employees. Otherwise, the inmates start running the asylum. And I think, honestly, his output speaks for itself. Obviously, after he left Team Ninja, not so much. But when he had a budget and a good team full of skilled employees, I think he was able to produce some pretty good output. So 
I like Itagaki. I know a lot of people are kind of afraid of him or intimidated by him. He and I kind of hit it off for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but I can see a lot of people who interact with him or are around him are borderline scared of him in a lot of ways. Um, so it was interesting to watch. And then that all swirled in with Japanese culture, salaryman stuff, it, and women not really working there back then. That was an interesting angle that we took that he tried to deflect. Like we wanted, we asked him specifically to talk to women employees, and it took him a while to come up with one. And then when he, they did come up with one, he wanted to sit in for the interview when we were able to interview everybody else without him there. So, yeah, it was interesting. But I think what I, the, my big takeaway was: he knows what he's doing. His employees knew it. They respected him for it, and in some ways, were intimidated by him for it. Um, next from Zet Saber. I read an article on Yahoo Finance about a CEO explaining during the investment call how having their employees work remotely from home have not impacted their productivity. Because of this, they are consolidating their office space rental. Uh, swinging this towards the game development industry, will more studios be created where the employees work remotely across the U.S.? Abso-freaking-lutely. It's already happening. Already happening. Uh, last, when we recorded PAC last week... Uh, he was talking to me about some developers that he had talked to, and all of them were like, there's no going back. Like, some of some studios have actually found themselves to be more productive when people were working from home. Um, I mean, almost every study on working from home has always shown that it's more productive. Yep. Like, a lot of the reason that, like, most of the complaints about working from home, other than kind of standard tech, like getting things to work, VPN stuff, you know, that kind of, those little snafus, that's yeah. one thing. But the people that complain the most about the working from home situation seem to be the middle managers, seem to be the people that I know from experience. It didn't have anything to do. <laughs> It didn't have anything to do, but also the people that like to remind you a couple times a day that they are your boss, right? that they have yeah. power, yeah. you know? I yeah. think they miss that trip that they can sort of check in on people oh, and, sure. like, stand yeah. over your shoulder and do the thing. Yeah. Like, like the fact that it gets rid of that, I think, is one of the biggest bonuses that helps productivity because you're not worried about dealing with it. You can do stuff on your own, on your own time and all this. I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, so, I, And I think that will definitely be... A thing going forward and you've already seen tech companies like google and facebook say like yeah you don't need to come back maybe ever uh at this point um and think and yeah the only people that are not upset about that are the people like the power trip and middle management and anyone who owns office space (laughs) (laughs) yeah because so my wife works for a gigantic company i mean gigantic like they have two hundred and sixty thousand employees worldwide to put that in perspective viacom where i worked which had MTV, Spike TV, Comedy Central, VH1, CMT, 30,000 employees. So this her company is gigantic, and they are closing down locations all around the world, all around the world. They have, they have teased her with telling her to go back to work like five times. The, they won't just commit to the rest of the year. It's like, okay, another month, now another month. And then finally, just last month, they're like, okay, the rest of the year. So, and now they're announcing, we're closing all these buildings. We're going to start consolidating. They're doing these, like, in-person headcounts to figure out exactly what people do need to be there in person. Um, they're, the landowners are going to lose, but companies like we, whatever, we space or whatever that thing is where you can rent. We like work office, and we stuff work, like that, yeah. Oh, it's going to be a boon, a boon. So what's going to happen is a lot of these warehouses are going to get repurposed into like apartment complexes and housing and things like that or 
retail space. Um, I think this is great. Uh, this is one of the few good things that came out of the coronavirus was these huge corporations being forced to look at how they dealt with their employees and what they're forcing their employees to do. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it's good in the sense that if you can if you can make this a permanent thing, people can live wherever they want and be a developer. Like, like you can like work it, for Respawn and live in West Virginia. But, like, yeah, but it, I bet it solves the problem of like having everyone having to live in the Bay Area or everyone and, having to crowd into Raleigh, North Carolina, or everyone you know, having and, to move to 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 Fort Worth or Dallas or Austin to like work in one of these development, like, and any, and any company, you know, like, like it, it eases the pressure on the housing market on so many, like of these over congested cities with these like, inflated rent. Pro- I saw in one of my, in my hometown this week, I saw a two bedroom townhouse, townhouse, 2000 square feet. They wanted 4,300 a month for it. <laughs> And you're and what, it was, it was 40 going. miles outside of San Francisco, probably. We're, we're 20 miles. We were 20 miles south, like mid mid peninsula, <laughs> like right where EA is. Yep. We have Redwood Shores or whatever. Yep. Yep. That's where we're at. Um, but all that's going to change. You can yeah, alleviate change. all that by saying like, no, people don't desperately have to live here. If they want a good tech career, they can be anywhere. Then stuff that's starts the to get funky with like salaries because companies don't they pay you more if you live in california and if you're living in kansas or west virginia or pennsylvania they're not going to want to pay you the same salary you were getting paid when you lived in the bay area or la so there's going to be a lot of have to be rebalancing how how we calculate what quality of life versus versus um cost of living is because uh you just don't know and you run into that a lot here too where like cost of living can drastically change from zip code to zip code in some place in california just tax tax Alone. Yeah, property taxes alone. <laughs> like you're in Christ. Santa Monica, you pay one. You take ten yeah. uh, one step towards West LA, you pay something else. And it's, oh, there's a big tell difference. me about it. Yeah, you know better than <laughs> I, anyone. I just got that bill this week too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up from Joaquin Dragoon. Uh, what is your opinion on games as a service this generation? Which ones did you like the most? Good question. We're at the end of the generation. This was one of the big paradigm shifts for Generation Eight. Mm-hmm. I like them. I, I'll say that. I do not dislike them. And generally, I enjoy them. Um, as far as the ones that I like the most, I've been pleasantly surprised by the fact that the first couple I played were the ones I enjoyed the most. So I would say, yeah. like, like Destiny 2 and probably The Division 1 or 2. I played one more, but 2 is definitely the better game. But those are probably the two games as a service I stuck with the longest. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think those are the two I I probably like the best. I mean, I liked Avengers, but I didn't like the game as a service part. Nope. I like the campaign. I like the campaign. I like the single player stuff from it. Yeah. Um, and so did everyone else. Yeah, it seems apparently. by the drop off on that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, otherwise, it's just stuff that like I mean, kind of some MMOs that I liked from that predate this generation, like The Secret World or uh, Swotor. Um, yeah, I mean, Destiny 2 is about it, really. Um, I wanted to like Anthem, but it wouldn't let me. I enjoyed I, Anthem, but... We, have, we haven't heard any hide nor hair of that reinvention, have we? We won't, I don't think, for a while, unfortunately. Well, they said like a year, but... Yeah. It's been you got to wonder how much, how long they're going to be willing to throw good money up yeah, the Yeah, I mean, bat, I wonder if one. in a year's time, if they're like, you know what, this is still a good use of our time. I, yeah. I struggle to believe that. Um, they'd be better served at making a sequel. And yeah, I guess Destiny 2 is probably the default answer there. Yep, I think probably for a lot of people. Um, everybody's first. 
<laughs> their first crush. I kind I kind of liked what what Capcom was after with Street Fighter Five that they kind of used that for like yeah. earning fight money to open the new. But in the end, I thought it was wasn't very well balanced and it mostly just annoyed everybody. So I guess it was it probably wasn't that successful. Yep. Uh, and here is the final question, and it comes from Grim. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is getting a hefty patch with some free multiplayer added this Friday. Don't forget that. Uh, including co-op story modes. Is that something of interest enough to draw you back in? Or do you gather Sucker Punch is a tad late for adding something like this? I'd agree with that. They, it's late. Um, mm-hmm. But the game is big. And I will say this. I still have not finished it. And I'm a little sh- ashamed to admit that. Um I have not finished Ghost of Tsushima yet. So for mm. me, this stuff is irrelevant until I finish the campaign. What about you, Matt? I mean, I'll probably go back and try it. I, I will probably wait until I have a PS5 to do that. Yeah. Because I want to see what it looks yeah. like in the save oh, man, disable transfer. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that's bonus. Uh, cause I, I did finish it. Um, cause Mitch, Mitch and I did the spoil on right. it, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, I, the new game plus stuff is cool. There's some fun stuff that's only in new game plus on this patch. I like that uh, a little reward or interesting carrot on a stick to play through it again, which I might do one day. Uh, the new stuff, like I don't if you if you have to play a co-op, I may not be so interested in that. But if you can go through it on your own, I'll I'll try that. Um, but I like that they're get, it's getting free support yeah. moving on. It's an indica- I mean, no indication that it was sure. uh, indication that it's successful. Um, more stuff from Sucker Punch is good. Uh, and I really, you know, it's one of my favorite games of the year. So more of it is is a good thing. Uh, I'll just have to wait and see. I haven't really been paying a huge amount of attention to the, to the update, so I just have to wait and see if I can play it without other people. That's basically the. <laughs> well, it's coming Friday, so get ready. Clear up some space on your hard drive if you need to. I doubt the file's going to be all that big, um, but we don't Probably know. Not. I mean, there's still some kind of mystery around this. We don't know exactly everything's yeah. going to be in it. So. All I know is you can have a dog army now. So that's right. That's true, and you can pet the dog now, right? Yeah, you can pet them. I don't think there were dogs that you could pet before. Yeah, you can pet the foxes, but you couldn't pet the dogs. Yep, yep. So there you go. I think all the dogs were enemies before. Do you think we're getting more DLC from this, or do you think this is going to be it? Um, I feel like this is probably it. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I don't know what else you do. Gen, man. It's like, it would be kind of cool if they did release an expansion that was, like, optimized for PS5 or something like that, but otherwise... Yeah. It's- I mean, I don't know. It depends what they what Sucker Punch wants to do next, or what they want Sucker Punch to do next. Yeah, that's um, probably the better question. Yep. Yeah. All right, so there you go. That's Game Face episode two thirty two on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Uh, again, I really do miss doing the show live with you guys. We're hoping we can get it back here in a couple weeks. But in the meantime, please, please head to Twitch.tv slash Sifted Games and uh, subscribe to our channel with Twitch Prime. It's really important to us, and we are way behind because we've not been live streaming the show. Um, as I said before, you can find this show on, let's see, it's on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, everything. You can literally find Game Face on every service. So if you're watching the show on YouTube and you're tired of waiting the full seven days, you're cool listening to an audio version, head on over to your favorite podcasting service, subscribe to the show, and please leave us a review. It makes a big, big difference for us uh, if you do that. Um, And if you do want to support us, please head to patreon.com slash sifted. You can pledge as much or as little as you want every month, and we appreciate every freaking dollar. In fact, I appreciate every single one of you guys. All our patrons are so awesome. I just I keep pinching myself 
that I am able to do this when so many people have lost their jobs. I am. I can't even tell you how thankful I am. Even though I work like a freaking maniac, I am still thankful to be able to do this uh, for a living. And that's all because of you. So thank you guys. Uh, we're coming down to it here. Just a couple weeks left until Generation 9. We got Watch Dogs Legion coming here in the next week or so. Everything's about to be set off. And we're going to be here to share it with you guys. So we'll see you next Wednesday. Game Face is up and out.